Conversations, a uh, really funny story happened today um, that we will definitely mention when we get to uh, a, a certain player. I know which one. Um, all right, tiers, collective tiers. These are in our draft kit. Basically, myself, 
Houdini, Stag Party, The Heartbeat, and The Archer. We go in and we give our tiers for quarterback, running back, tight end, wide receiver, and tight end. And the collective is the average of where we have a guy slotted between the five of us. Obviously, today we're focusing just on the running backs. We're not going to talk about any other position. Tier one, number one, David Johnson. He is our number one guy in the tier one. I think, you know, it's a no-brainer. And in my opinion, I think he seems the sturdier of the two between him and Le'Veon. And you, there's talk of him saying that he thinks he can get 30 touches a game. Um, what, what are your thoughts on him? Let's, let's kind of give David his due and then move on. Well, I mean, quickly, I, I actually have Le'Veon still ahead of him. But I will tell you that during this last iteration of me doing my tears, it became closer and closer, and I almost put David Johnson ahead. So I, I, I understand it. I think I'm starting to lean that way also. Um, we'll see uh, you know, as, as we get closer. But they're both fantastic. And David Johnson is, is going to be the entire show there. You don't have a dominating young Larry Fitzgerald there that, that, that's going to get 1,600 yards. So they're going to be moving the ball. They're going to be doing a lot of it with, uh, with David Johnson. Uh, was, wasn't he also talking potentially to go 1,000-1,000? Uh, that's the goal. Yeah. The thing with David Johnson is we talk about how durable he is, but he could have missed fucking six to eight weeks if that injury in week 17 happened at a different time of the year. Okay. So timing of the injury... No, saved him a little bit. It was in a fantasy dead week mostly, but you know that could have been a, a difference maker for a lot of teams if it happened, you know, in week ten or so, at some point different in the season. So saying he's all and out more sturdy than Bell, you know, doesn't do it complete justice. But he's he's the entire offense. He doesn't have to deal with Antonio Brown stealing touchdowns and uh, Martavis Bryant stealing touchdowns and. That's just one big factor if you want to put him ahead. Um, Do who you have in yours individually? I've got Le'Veon Bell, but the more and more he holds out, the closer and closer it, it is to David Johnson. But in, in MFL 10s, when I get a top you know, one or two pick, I diversify between the two. Sometimes I'll take Bell. Sometimes I'll take you know, David Johnson, or I'll take the one that falls. So that that's one thing you can do. You can't really do that in redraft leagues. Um, but... They're so close. They're both, you know, running back ones and wide receiver twos combined. The wide receiver two in Arizona right now looks like Jerron Brown. Uh, and, and that's just, you know, John Brown can't stay healthy. Uh, the other guy is J.J. Nelson. They're saying he's having trouble staying healthy too. So that wide receiver core is not as deep as Pittsburgh's. That's one concern. But, yeah, these guys are both locked in top two. And with, with the Zeke suspension, Basically, they're the top two, and then there's it's a drop off. Let's sure. be serious. For sure. So usually after the first two in the draft, you look to those wide receivers, uh, and, and then a little bit, you know, five, six, seven, you can start to look at these other running backs. Uh, and, and the next one we have is Melvin Gordon. Well, quickly, I want to say one thing on Le'Veon Bell, who is is our second guy, that, or the only guy in tier two, is he, or tier one, as you said. When what is, what's the word on him signing? Like he's been, he hasn't signed. The um, franchise, right? So he's just waiting around, and the franchise, the, the franchise tag isn't going to matter anymore because that's the only thing he can play for. Well, but is he? Is he? Is he? What's what is what is he saying? Is he saying offer me more money, or he's just like he, trying? They can't to even offer him any more money now. Basically, he has to play on the franchise tag, so what's he or, he holds, or he holds or he holds out, misses games. 
But what what's the point of missing games if they can't sign him to anything else? And it's just the way uh, it works. That sends a message? Yeah, it sends a message. Usually when they hold out like that, you hold out like when Emmett Smith held out, they're like, all right, we'll pay you. Here's a bunch of money. But if there's no know, maybe, bunch maybe, of money at the end of the holdout, what's the holdout? What, what is he doing? I don't know. The only thing I can say is maybe he's doing it because he doesn't want to play uh, preseason. Well, that that's fine, and I think you're right. I think it's got to be that. Uh, come on, Le'Veon. Just play and then go move on next season. Whatever. Play uh, for the Browns. Yeah. Oh. Le'Veon. Okay, tier two. As Stag Party alluded to, this is our third running back, and this is going to be Mr. Melvin Gordon. I think it's interesting that we have Melvin Gordon collectively higher than uh, LaShawn McCoy. I think a lot of the other uh, experts and pundits and sites out there kind of have that flipped. Yeah, no, uh, I was actually doing, uh, looking at that just before I came over. LaShawn McCoy is number three pretty much across the board uh, for most. So I, I think it's interesting that we do have Melvin Gordon higher, but I think that's also in part to where kind of you and I are the ones on LaShawn McCoy that are bringing him down. I have him at number five, and you have him at number seven in years. So I, I have I have him as a bust. I, I think that it's it's it's. I know he's still young. I know he's uh, you know 29 years old. Um, he's had an average of 306 touches uh, over the last four years. So you look at all of that work. He finally got it going in his second year in Buffalo. You know, he—I understand all the positives behind it. Oh, he doesn't have Mike Gillisley there anymore, so he's—he's gonna. But that could just mean extra work. He—he he only had 234 rushes. If you start bumping him up and make him a 280 rush guy, all of a sudden he loses some of that pop and effectiveness. So I kind of feel like this is gonna be that season where he gets overworked, and I think it's gonna—it's gonna show up in the stats. And remember, too, he had 13 touchdowns last year. You go back, to, he hadn't had double-digit touchdowns, I don't think, until you had to go back to 2011 or 2013. Yeah, the thing with LaShawn McCoy is his offensive line is road graders. They're great run blockers. He's got Tyrod Taylor uh, on the, to hold that backside end so he doesn't get chased down. A lot of those things go in his favor. He's got the mobile quarterback, great offensive line to push. You know, no real receiving threat, so he's going to get targeted out of the backfield. This guy, he's got one of those floors that you're happy with because you know he's probably more likely to be not get pulled into goal line without Gillis Lee now. So either way you want to go between Melvin and LaShawn, I can see it. The, the, like previously, it looked like you know Melvin Gordon had no no competition and. Yeah, was that was an awesome line. look, by the way, Stags. That was that was what you must look like when you're stoned. I'm not, I don't think I've ever yeah, seen stuff. He's like, <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. So Melvin just can keep doing it, and then offense is better. He's got Philip Rivers to put him in the right sort of run checks, pass pass checks, all those things, and his touchdown upside looked like it wasn't going anywhere. There's no Danny Woodhead to steal red zone opportunities from him. Jonathan Williams is a big guy. Maybe they give him some cracks at the goal line in Buffalo. So all those things give you a little bit of reservation. That's why I have uh, Melvin a little bit behind LaShawn personally. But it, it's so close. These guys are right there. Whichever one you want to go with, I, I think it could work out for you. See, again, I just, I, at this point in time, I like Melvin Gordon because I, it, sometimes you, you're worried about that. Running back in his second year, is he going to be able to do what he did in that first year? Yeah. And Melvin had a 
rough first year and had to show up last year. Um, now you, you look at that situation, just like Stag said, I like what he has around him a hell of a lot more because Phillip Rivers is going to be spreading the ball around, even if Keenan Allen gets hurt again, even if Mike Williams doesn't play this year. You know, he did, he's done it with, with the Dontrell Inmans and, and the, uh, the Malcolm Floyds for so many years. So, you Make know, Calvin Benjamin look all world. Yeah, now you, you add Hunter Henry to that mix too. So there are going to be so many different ways where Melvin Gordon's going to have defenses that are going to have to respect those other players that he's going to get set up on maybe some nice uh, draw plays and things like that. And he's got great breakaway speed. So I, I like him a lot more for that potential upside than worrying about a guy who's had over 1,300 touches in the last four years. And uh, two years removed from that microfracture, so hopefully that he's even healthier than he was last year when he had a great season. Um, all right, let's go on to our next uh, running back, and that's our last running back in Tier 2, and this is the Devonta Freeman. Um, just a beast of a man. I love this guy. He's, you know, pretty much – he's – Solidly in in the talks right after you get in the Juli, after the Julio, the Lashawn, and the um, and the Melvin Gordon, he's pretty much in the drafts that I'm seeing going pretty much right next. Sometimes you'll get a Mike Evans will go. Sometimes you get an AJ Green before him. But I mean, uh, he is supplanted as a bona fide first rounder in, in even ten man leagues. So uh, reasonably so. The guy runs with some serious fervor. And uh, I, I, I love watching the guy play. Question is, does he get capped by uh, a Tavon? You know, he really only had a thousand yards last year. Um, does his style match his body type? Is this a guy that kind of runs harder than? He, I, and just so to go back to Lashawn McCoy, one of the reasons why I am a little down on him is I feel like he's gonna. I always feel like he's gonna get nicked up. And I know he played 15 games last year, but I kind of feel the same thing with Devon Freeman. I know he's sturdy. But he's, a, he's not a very huge guy, and I think his style of running is much more like a guy. He thinks he's like got a body like Luke um, Garrett Blunt or something. Yeah, you know, I'm not looking at Devonta Freeman here. I have him as uh, my number four running back, so uh, ahead of LaShawn McCoy. And the reason is this. Do I anticipate that he's all of a sudden going to put up even bigger numbers than he has in those first two years? No. But I feel that that's his ceiling floor is are so close to each other. Yeah. You know, the fact that he has the ability to score touchdowns like he does. What, what did he score last year if you have it? I think it's a 12 or 14 touchdowns. So he did 11. that. 11. 11 touchdowns with Tevin Coleman scoring eight. So, um, and they had two and the, he had two receiving. There you go. So 13. That was, there was the, the, the total. So he's giving you like basically 13, 14 touchdowns each year. Those double-digit touchdowns are fantastic, especially now if you're talking PPR. Uh, I think he's far and away better. And, and you look at the fact that, again, surrounded by a great offense where teams can't focus on him, uh, the ability to not have to overwork him because you have Tevin Coleman so you can always get him in there to be fresh. Sure, you're going to lose out on, on some plays where he comes off the field, but at the same time, he's more dynamic, and that helps him. I don't want him to be that player that, oh, all of a sudden, let's give him 300, 330 touches and see, uh, we'll make fantasy gold. You'll make fantasy mush. <laughs> the thing with LaShawn Le- McCoy compared to Devonta Freeman is McCoy caught three less passes. And his rushing numbers are better. His offensive line is you know, just as good, if not better. Uh, he's the only man show in town for a team that's going to have to run the ball if they want to win. We know that they, Matt Ryan can drop back and throw it to Julio. And they can run screens to Taylor Gabriel and Tevin Coleman. 
and Coleman's sort of development as a receiver is also a little knock on Devonta Freeman. Not to mention that he just got fucking paid, and he j- recently after that just got a concussion. Yeah. So he's in the concussion protocol right now, which gives you a little bit of hesitancy going in, you know, to your draft. Let me ask you a question paid. though, because let's talk. Turn to Lashawn. You just had Sammy Watkins traded off of your team. Jordan Matthews is coming in there. No defense is going to go, oh, my God, i got a game plan for Jordan Matthews. So what they're going to do is they're going to do everything that they can. We're going to shut down LaShawn McCoy. We are going to force Tyrod Taylor to beat us through the air with, with Zay Jones and Jordan Matthews. And then the Buffalo is probably going to fall behind in games. They're going to have to abandon the run. So then where's LaShawn McCoy then? So I mean, in the I past game where he was just as good as Devonta Freeman last year. Well, he's gonna it, it's, he's gonna have to it's be. Like, it, hell, it, it, they need to be in games for for McCoy to have. Uh, Ask Todd Gurley how it feels when, when when defenses only look <laughs> trying to stop you. So well, Todd Gurley didn't even face that many stacked boxes last season. He, he just, just wasn't good. Yeah, he just wasn't good. Uh, he's I, on that bus list again. Yeah, <laughs> I'm, I'm I'm staying away as well. Uh, here's a question I got for you. One is. Well, here's not, it's not a question. Devon Freeman finished like six-ish in standard last year, but remember, in a down running back season two years ago, he was number one. So I kind of agree with you, Houdini. I think he's not going to blow up anytime, but he's a model of consistency, and there's just you kind of really know what you're getting uh, in there. Um, God damn, he got paid a lot of money. It does suck that him and another guy we're going to talk about in a minute are both in concussion protocol because just never a good way to start the season. Um, but let's the one la- one funny story. Uh, Atlanta Falcons uh, in their new stadium. What, the, what is that? Is that stadium called? Mercedes Benz. Not that. Not the real name. The other. The, the funny name. It's uh, called like the Bird's Nest or no, something. Something's vagina or something. Uh-huh. No, no, sphincter. The uh, it's the Falcon sphincter or something like that. That thing that opens and closes, but it's not gonna work. <laughs> anyway, long and short of it, dumbass Chick Fil A. They don't. They're not open on Sunday. Right. Um, they're, oh, they can't be in the stadium. They're going to get one game this year. They're in the stadium. Oh, they are? They, yeah, they have a so chick fil in the stadium. And they, they're like, nope, we're not going to open on Sundays. I guess either it's a Thursday or maybe a Saturday night game or Monday night game. So they're going to be open for Falcons games one time this so year. So otherwise you're going to be in the stadium and there, there's going to be a Chick-fil-A there, but you can't go yeah. to it? Yeah, yeah but on it'll, Sunday. Be, it'll be another, like, concession stand. They'll leave the concessions company will just... Poster over it, and they'll sell all their food. Seriously? Yeah. They said that? Yeah. I hope it's burgers. And then the whole time, <laughs> with their signage, like chicken. Eat more chicken, And then yeah. they'll just flip it. And then the chicken's doing right in their blood. Eat more burgers. Um, <laughs> chicken's uh, thank you for Sunday. Yeah, God bless Sunday. Sunday that is just so crazy that they're, uh, anyway. I think that stuff's kind of overrated. I know I'm Why crazy. would you sponsor and put a, a, a restaurant in a foo- NFL football stadium to not serve food on football games. Well, but they're gonna have it's they're gonna have the final fours there. They're gonna have it's they're gonna have a lot of other stuff, so they'll be fine. But it's right, just so it's ridiculous. Know, it's, it's a Falcon Stadium. You know, Final Fours football. and all that. They don't have, they don't land on Sundays either. I mean, they don't they don't play the tournaments on Sundays. It's true. No, you're right. You're right. They're stupid. That's why. <laughs> um, all right, let's move on to. Uh, I changed it to my tiers. Hold on, I'm sorry. Uh, tier three. We've got another guy in concussion protocol right now. Let's say I can <laughs> no, he's out. He's, he's out. out. Good. You can, you can get it on, on uh, Thursday Night Raw, though. <laughs> you What's get, that? You can get your chicken. Uh, oh, Jesus. All right, sorry. <laughs> 
Is it was that a WWF? Yeah, or it was. I didn't watch it, but well it done, well done. Um, I probably called it wrong too. <laughs> Jay Ajay, hush hush, um, we actually took him as our first pick with the 13th pick out of 14 teams in the Blog Talk Radio Draft on Sunday. It was a good time. I don't, at some point, I'll go through our team and talk about it. But he was our first pick at number 13. I was pretty happy with that. The guy who got lucky was uh, one of the dudes, um, maybe Eat, eat Sleep Football. Um, Julio Jones he went to slid to the eighth eighth pick. Oh, I would have loved to have had that that's, happen. That's when you that's when you just when a guy falls to you and you're like, how is he available? Yes. Thank you, thank you, God. Um, so JGI, great news. He's out of protocol. I didn't see that today or the last couple days. Um, what are you? Let's let's talk about him because I think he's kind of a polarizing guy. You got people that are on board and just think this guy's the next second gonna be the next great running back. You got other people that are a little te- tepid and wondering if this guy just had a great breakout and now the teams can prepare for him and have video on him, it's gonna be different. And then you got, you know, others that just think he's he, he was a it was a it was a fluke season. What do you, what are your where do you both stand, Stags? What do you think on him? Are you expecting great things for him, or uh, is this a guy that's probably going to underwhelm based on his draft slot? So I, I think Ajay is going to be good, not great. I don't think he could take that step into the next tier. Uh, I do think there's sort of a clear difference between him and sort of the rest of the guys in his tier. I think he's closer to Tier 2 than he is the rest of the guys in Tier 3, personally. Uh, but his just ability to run in between the tackles and be a road grader, I mean, he averaged five and a half yards per carry against eight-man in the box last season. This is a guy who can push it. Uh, the offense is JGI-centric. And they're going to take shots off of the run game through play action, through getting Jay Cutler out on the bootleg. Uh, you know, with Mike Pouncey in there, uh, Marquise Pouncey, they they are going to be able to open up some holes uh, for him. The, the rest of the offensive line does have some question marks, though. So JJ is not without his question marks. That's why I like taking him more in the second round of drafts than than he's a surefire locked in first rounder. Uh, he's got questions, but he's also got answers. The three, you know, two hundred yard games. What two came against Buffalo? But that's like half his stats. So people are saying, "Oh my God, this is half his stats." But it's also when he was given a lot of carries. It, it's sort of one of those roads where I could see both sides of the argument. Yeah. So you look at nine games that he had sixty-one or fewer yards. So. Uh, but at the same time, the, the fact that he did three have three 200-yard rushing games. <laughs> That's right. I mean, it just lets you understand that he has that top-end potential. Explosion so factor. If you can raise the floor, then all of a sudden those numbers, even if he doesn't give you a 200-yard game this year, but if he can give you a, a couple hundred fifties, but instead of giving you those seven that are 61 or below, it only becomes maybe three that are 61 or below. And he's, and he's hitting you at least 65, 70 yards a game. Could you see him getting 325, 350 carries this year? No, no I don't see anybody. No, and not, not, not with the way that the case runs that offense either. He's going he, he's gonna to use him effectively. You know, he's going to want to, he's not going to try to overwork him, but um, it'll be interesting also to see how does he meld with uh, Jay Cutler. Um, yeah, that's that's what my worry. Remember, we used to say like uh, I, forget, I think it might have been it might have been McCoy. Like 
Uh, is, is he the kind of guy that needs a fast quarterback? Tannehill freaking ran like a five, uh, four or five at the combine um, years ago. He's a fast dude. Does he need a faster guy to get him out the ball so he can get around the edge a little better? I don't know. Uh, something to consider. Is everyone kind of just forgetting about this knee-on-knee issue that it was holding him back and the reason why he was essentially undrafted a year ago uh, in fantasy drafts and was the pickup of the year and also one of the reasons why he slid down? Um, who knows? I, I think in general the one thing that we know about him, Jake Train, uh, he was he's he's awesome after after the contact. So this is a dude that once he gets pounded and hit on the line, he's uh, he's able to keep running and, and, and gain some more yardage. So I love I love a guy like that. But does that turn into injuries? It kind of did for guys like AP after a while. Well, maybe after a while. I don't think you can worry. You're not going to worry about yeah, that he's going into this year. And I think the thing that um, is important for for uh, JHI when you're when you're thinking about it is that uh, you know I, I I just like the fact that he's has that, that those those big pops. Yes, he may have had you know some of those knee on knee issues or whatever, but it's a resiliency factor, right? So if you come back from those things, you come back stronger. I, I think it's it's going to be all right. I, I I just, I know that it's going to be boomer bust. The thing is, J.H.I. was boomer bust. Like, when we talk about his carries, like, he was either picking up 10 yards or getting stuffed. Like, his success rates on run wasn't that great. He's one of the, like, when he's not breaking long ones, he's gaining, like, one or two yards or getting stuffed behind the line of scrimmage. So that's a boom-bust part of his game. The receiving part of his game needs work, even though he's one of the best pass catchers in college football, you know, during his college career at Boise. So all those things give you a little bit of question marks, but the upside is there. That's why I think, you know, he's definitely at the top of the tier, because um, when we talk about the next guy, look at Jordan Howard. Jordan Howard has question marks. Well, let's, move, let's, let's move to him. Do you mind if I, if I do a Valverde? Your union cards. May I see your cards, please? Those men ain't got no union cards, and we go in there and start playing anyway. Now, what you going to do about that? You going to stop us? Stein? <laughs> You're gonna look pretty funny trying to eat corn on a cob with no fucking teeth. So Jordan Howard, <laughs> Bears running back, another guy who was able to just get it going, have hundred yard games. That offensive line is stout in the middle. Their tackles are good. Uh, run blockers, they're not necessarily great pass blockers. This is sort of a team built as a grinded out football team right now. Because you've got Mike Glennon at quarterback, or you've got a rookie at quarterback. And, and that just gives him some pause. Because teams are going to stack the box against this guy. They are going to make a guy like Mike Glennon beat them. Uh, the touchdowns, you know, expecting a lot of touchdowns from the Chicago Bears. Seems like a fool's errand. Uh, his, he had seven drops last season, so his ability to catch the ball has been a major, major question mark, especially when they add guys like Benny Cunningham and Tariq Cohen in the draft to hopefully be more of the spell third down back. Overall, guys that you know, get 5.2 yards of carry like he did you know, tend to regress in a big, big way. We've talked about it before. They lose like .72 uh, yards off their carry in the next year. But everybody's like, oh, he's going to get so many more carries. You know, 
you just gotta take his stats and you know multiply them by 1.25 for the extra four games. I'm like that's not the way this works. That's not the way any of this works. Well, <laughs> and the other problem that they have is you know it's tough to be a one-dimensional running back, right? Because if you're a one-dimensional running back, then you can't add into those other facets. The other problem that people don't want to take into account is what's going on with the Bears' offensive line. Okay, you had Cody Whitehair, who was your center, and you had this guy who the, the kid who they wanted to bring up was Kush, and then Kush got hurt. And so then what they had to do is they had to move Cody Whitehair, who was a Pro Bowl center basically last year, and they had to move him back to guard. So then they're also kicking, uh, then they're moving uh, 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 Long back to the back to the other side. So Long's played a different position each of the last three years. Now you're also why he keeps on getting in fights. Yeah, and then he's getting in fights with everybody. Because then, then you have Aronis Grasso, who couldn't uh, cut it, who was drafted as a, a fourth round center that was supposed to be the best center in the draft when he was drafted. And uh, couldn't get it done last year, and Whitehair overtook him. Now he's having to play. So, what was the strongest part, which was having Cody Whitehair at center with Sitton and Long on either side? You don't have that right now. So, to think that's where the strength and that's where a lot of those big holes opened up for Jordan Howard. Now, if you're going to have a Ronis Grisou, if he can't do the things that's necessary at center, you're, then you're overworking the guards, and it's, all those holes are just going to collapse, and he's not going to have any opportunity to have those big runs like he did a year ago. Plus, Kyle Long is a question mark health department. Yep. I mean, he didn't have surgery on a torn labrum, so he's playing basically with one arm, uh, and that's a major concern after he's had his own ankle surgery this year. So that's question mark. Uh, Jordan Howard led the league rushing in between the tackles, so if they can't get it going in between the trenches, in between those tackles, it could be a much tougher time. There are lots of questions with Jordan Howard that I'm a little bit concerned by. If uh, Mitch Trubisky does end up winning the gig, I like the uh, the rollout and the play action that might come out of it for Howard because he, he looked great when he's rolling, doing, um, you know, Playing rollout pass plays, and I think there's something that they'll be able to do with him. But then you're playing against a rookie quarterback, and there's going to be a lot of mistakes. Who do you think's the starting quarterback uh, for the Bears behind? And we'll go on to the next guy. Is it Glennon or is it Mitch? It's going to be Glennon, and, uh, and they don't want to. They don't want to have to play Mitch. It's going to be this. They're praying to God that in game two, Mike Glennon just has a good <laughs> series, so they can pull him and be like, "Look, everything's fine." And then Trubisky will be awesome again. They just need one bad series from Trubisky to get the fans off of him. Yeah. All right. Yeah, I think I also agree that it's Glennon. They, they just have to showcase what Glennon could do if they ever expect to trade that guy. He did. He did throw a touchdown pass in his first game. To who? To Denver. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, before we go to our next guy in Tier 3, do us a favor and listen to a word from our sponsors. Dopeski whoopski. All right, sitting here at number eight is DeMarco Murray of the Titans. Obviously, they got that exotic smash mouth offense going. Uh, he's probably out of everyone in the list that we've read so far. Maybe Tevin Coleman with Freeman, but uh, you definitely have a Derrick Henry breathing down this guy's neck. Uh, we saw last year where Murray was tapping his helmet right when he got the team down into the red zone, and uh, every time Derrick Henry would just bring it home and get those touchdowns. He is a poacher. Uh, what are your guys' thoughts? You know that I loved DeMarco last year. I love that offensive line. Seems like they're going more towards uh, weaponry for Super Mario, uh, so that worries me a little bit. 
This guy is a guy that I've drafted in mocks and drafted in a couple of our dra- mock drafts in, 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 in general. Uh, it's not that great and sexy when he's sitting there as your first running back, in all honesty, um, even if you get a nice wide receiver in the first round. But DeMarco's another guy. He's moving up. He's first-round material and a lot, maybe second, early second round. But um, what do you think? Is DeMarco going to be able to recreate the magic he did last year, or is he fool's gold? He's a bust. He's on, he's on the bust list. And, and the reason is pretty simple. Is, is you've said it is you can disagree with me. But <laughs> Derek Henry is the reason. Okay, um, you know when you when you look at uh, Henry only had 110 carries last season. 48 of those came in the final four games. Okay, and during that span, uh, Murray only told 266 rushing yards. Henry had 178. Murray had one touchdown. Henry had three. So I just you, you know they're sharing the load, and and this is. The organization would rather go with the guy that they've actually drafted and not have to overwork him and work him in. So this could be the one of those. And we've seen it happen for DeMarco Murray before. He hasn't yeah. always ingratiated himself so wonderful with every team that he's been on. So whether that be Philadelphia or whether that be Dallas before. so I think he's been humbled a bit. But I, is I, there, I, I totally is there anything con- coinciding with those four games in which Derrick Henry was more involved last year? Tell us. Maybe a foot injury to DeMarco Murray. Like, everybody's forgetting about that. Like, Derrick Henry just didn't become part of the offense. They needed to take some pressure off of DeMarco Murray. Murray was still playing, though. Yeah, he was playing hurt because they had a shot at the playoffs. So you think, tell us what you think. I I like hearing it. If you disagree with Houdini and and DeMarco being a bust, I'm not necessarily going to put my my name down on, on the bust category, but I think... He's worrisome. There's definitely some. There's definitely. As we you talked like about say, every single guy. We talked about every single guy in this tier having warts. Yep. There's none of these guys that are without warts. Uh, so, you look at Demarco Murray. You look at the offensive line. You look at his ability to score touchdowns. He was the one of the best touchdown scorers in the league before suffering his foot injury. So before that, and he's one of the best uh, pass catchers For sure out there. of the running backs in the league. And he faced 42% of his carries last year against eight or more men in the box. An average uh, 4.7 yards per carry against that. So when you look at that, this guy did so much against tough competition. You add in all these other weapons like Corey Davis, like Eric Decker, all the other weapons they have to throw the ball to. You can spread it out a little bit more, and that's when DeMarco can be more effective. Yeah, but if you're going to spread the ball out more, and Derrick Henry, do you think Derrick Henry gets 110 carries this year? Or do you think... Uh, no, he can get 150, he can get 10, 10 a week. Like, uh, DeMarco doesn't need the 200, what, how many carries did he get last year? He doesn't need the 293. If DeMarco Murray's still in the 250 carry range... I think, he, I think he does need the 293. I think he's, he's that volume runner. That's... He's that guy that, that crushes you in the second half of games. But I also think he can do more with his targets. Uh, the, the, uh, but the, the other line, thing is, the, I look at it when he said the 42% that he saw with eight or nine in the box or whatever. He's taking the beating, and then Derrick Henry's going to come and be the fresh guy and going to get the better stats. That's definitely I've what I've seen that happen so that's, many times That's before. what happened last that's year, but now, but now if you're using Derrick Henry more, 
early, he's going to take the beating But I too. don't think that Derrick Henry is going to necessarily get used more early. It's going to be like, it'll be the first two series are going to go to DeMarco, and then from there it almost becomes an even timeshare. And all I'm saying is this, the reason why I uh, also more consider a bust, I'd rather draft Derrick Henry at where he's at than to draft DeMarco Murray. At Derrick Henry's being drafted above starting running backs. Which is and, fucking insanity. And why? And I and I like I like your approach there because you've done that. That's been something you've been consistent with. Question is right now on on fantasy football calculator. Archer has Derrick Henry as the 16th running back. Who does? He Archer. loves that guy. He loves that guy. I have him 35. So um, I mean, I think that's fair. So it's here's a question I got for you. Demarco Murray right now is is going is the 12th pick. Uh, sixth running back off the board uh, on fantasy football calculator, but 12th pick overall. So if you're in a 12-man league, it's the last pick in the first round. How do you feel about that? That's not where he goes in real drafts. I feel like I feel like he's a guy who's always sliding to the second round. But yeah, I, I would agree too. I, like, this is where the he's a guy who always I would, slides. I, I see him as being because I, I, I know where your thought process is though. You're going. I don't want him. I'm at number twelve. I don't want to share him there. Twelve. I admit that. I don't want him at the end of the first. Hold on, I'm looking right now because I'm pretty sure he went in our. Uh, I'm gonna have to pull it up, but he went. He went before JHI in our ESPN draft. Yeah. He was so he was gone when it when it got to me. Thank God. So in the first eleven games of the season, there was no games where Demarco Murray had less than thirteen point nine fantasy points. That's bet. It was a better mark than fucking David Johnson, because David Johnson had you know three games last season where he had ten points, mm-hmm. went healthy in the fantasy regular like in the fantasy sixteen weeks. Um, that was then, not true. Just sorry to interrupt you. That was not true. He went pick one pick after we took JHI. Two and fourteen. Okay. His sorry. his hundred yard games really fell off with that injury. They just took the load off him. Now you've got Demarco. You know, what one one year left? You're going for a playoff spot in which you're expected to be a favorite. Why aren't you going to ride the veteran over the young player who you expect to be a part of your future? Why are you going to suddenly give this guy two hundred carries to break down? Cool. I like it. Good call all around. Um, all right, let's go to the next guy, and that is um, we did do these tiers after Ezekiel Elliott got the six-game suspension. Is that first off? Is that going to hold up? I don't know, man. Well, this he, is one of those tough ones. I can't speculate right now. He's spending six games. Right is now, he, he's going to have a few. Valverde's. Let's hope not. So, Jay. You're out, you're free, you're rehabilitated. What's next? What's happening? What you gonna do? You got the money you owe us, motherfucker? <laughs> Is that the ladies' man? <laughs> no, no. That's no. not Tim. Um, well, here's a question I got for you guys. Elliot, could... And I got a, a solid nine to hit me up today on, on, on my uh, uh, text. He's like... Could this be a Brady deflate gate and they'll appeal the suspension and they'll have, and he'll play all the whole games? Could, is, what are the odds of that that he plays? The appeal, the appeal has already been appointed to the deciding party, so it doesn't sound like it's going to go out for a year. Deflate gate went out for a year because it ended up in the courts, but the ruling from deflate gate basically says, "Hey, the commissioner has this power." Yeah, and he so it. now that there's a precedent. You're much less likely to have this thing sit in court for a year. Mm-hmm. Like it's like, oh, sorry, the precedent's already been set. You know, in this Deflate Gate court case, uh, sorry, Zeke, we can't do anything for you if it goes to the courts. 
Now, your hope is that when he meets with the arbitrator, uh, they can come to some sort of agreement. Uh, and maybe it's that these text messages are, hey, I'm going to blackmail the shit out of you. Or things that have been coming out today. See, but the crazy thing is, those are the things that came out today were, were actually known by exactly. the people who still gave him the suspension. Exactly. So but, it's just that they decided to release it on them. But uh, at, at least it's decided. now an independent person rather than Goodell who's going to hand down the punishment. Correct. I agree with that. But also, no what, domestic violence suspension is ever been reduced. Okay. So there's that. So... I, he's suspended six games until he's not. That that's the data we have to go off of. How do you uh, so along with his um, bye week, which is week six, right? Um, he the the stat I've, I've read. So you get the six game suspension and bye weeks in week six. So he no, he doesn't. He oh, misses, yeah, he misses week, week seven. seven. Yeah. So he comes back in week eight, his first game. That is. Something like forty-eight percent of the regular season. Fifty, like one week. No, it's more 50, than fifty-eight. Week thirteen 50, week regular yeah. season. You only get yeah. yeah. So think about that. That's that's the most important thing that I ever read on, as a note on Twitter. It's like if you go, because still even you know, like I said, Solid Nine asked me. He's like, I was thinking about taking him late in the first round or early in the second, like fourteenth pick. So I'm like, think about it, dude. That guy is gonna miss fifty-seven percent of your regular season. He's gonna be awesome when he gets back in. You can take I, care of it when you, until that point, but that's worrisome. I kind of remember from last year because it was Le'Veon Bell who was suspended for for three games. Four, last. but then they they turned three, to three. Yeah, so on a drug suspension, not domestic. Violence. Right, but that's not the point. The point is, I'm trying to think of where he was going in my drafts at the end of the first. It was still, it was, it was still uh, the latest I saw it was like in the early second, but it was like yeah, late first, early second. But that's only three games. Six, six games. It's like if you're, and, and then the other problem with it is, from a fantasy standpoint, this is where I, I can't draft him because I then have to completely alter what my draft strategy is because I now have to overcompensate for running back at some point, yeah. mm-hmm. and I, I I don't like having to be kind of forced into a hole. Yeah, and again, you, seven weeks where you can't play him. Here, here, this is about the only point I'll draft him. You have picked 1.1 or 1.2. When it comes back around to you, if you have Le'Veon Bell or David Johnson who could do the work of two running backs in your running back one slot, I am... I, I gotta draft Zeke there. Before that, uh, I don't know. I can't... That's a I, great point. Because because if you have the, the, one of those two guys, you, have, you basically don't even need to draft another running back until round seven. Yeah, you could draft like a guy like Theo Riddick, yeah. who's you know a, a, a pass-catcher running back who's going to get you ten points or so a week in PPR leagues. Yeah. So that's about the only time I could really see taking Zeke and paying off. But other than that, it's it's a tough call. Like if Zeke is your number one running back, that's tough, man. Yeah, you're all you're doing then is hoping for the reduction in, in the suspension. So the thing that you would hope for is this. You're either going to hope that you can get him as like your second running back, or you're going to look at it and go, I hope the team that drafts him, drafts him as their number one. Yeah, or drafts I hope it's, that's so what, the team that's going to draft Gronkowski in, in early in round two. That was, you know, that was the second guy that Solid Nine asked about. So what, then what do you think about Gronkowski? I'm like, just don't draft him too early. I'm like, wait, if you see him in the third round, I'm open to it, but that... Stay never away. Never gets there. Never. Yeah, never, never, I know. I know. It <laughs> never gets there. But don't be the guy that doesn't. Even in this uh, league I was talking about, I've talked, the guy that has Gronk, I was looking at his team, it's like, oh, just. 
Siegel, my buddy just drafted Gronk, and he sent me the, his, uh, the, his team, and I'm like, it really, pain, it really, it really wounds the rest of your team. Let's go on to uh, tier number four. Uh, this is our tenth running back, and it's uh, our first rookie. We're going to talk about Leonard Fournette. Stag party, go for it. So we've got a question on Twitter from Danger Close, real Danger Close. Uh, which worst round two running back, Demarco Murray, Isaiah Crowell, or Leonard Fournette? Demarco Murray. Who's it? Who's it? Isaiah Crowell. Or Leonard Fournette. This is easy. Second round? Yes. Oh, Isaiah Crow. Why are you crafting Isaiah Crowell in the second round? You shouldn't. It's Crow. Yeah. Crow, for sure. But you want to call it between the other two. I'm going to say it's DeMarco. You may say it's Leonard Fournette. <laughs> they're, I like, they're both I, good. I like Fournette. I like Fournette. I like DeMarco more than Fournette. He's already banged up. This guy's going to... He's already got I, a foot injury again. Yeah, right? same injury, same thing. He's always... He's banged up, man. I feel like he's going to be a guy that's going to be injured for the early part of his career, and then he's going to get past it. I don't know, is that like Stafford or somebody? But like, I think he's going to have some issues, and then he's going to realize how to take care of his body or figure it out. But um, obviously, he's a stud. Even though, why was he opening his big trap last week? Oh, it's easy. I oh, thought it was so much so faster. Slow. slow, SEC. Thank God. Like, dude, shut up. He had one good game against third string scrubs, many of which aren't even going to. Maybe make the team, but he's a he's a man child. There's no question about that. You look at him and he looks. He I looks, just look he at looks the look, part. The, the fact is, let's let, let's assume that he's going to get back on the field and be healthy. Okay, so that you can put this behind him for right now. Find that he has the cloud over his head. He's going to get fed the ball in this offense, and he's going to have a chance to do some major damage. And you do have protection in the in the, at, at the wide receiving uh, court for him. So. Um, I, I just think that, you know, that rookie youthful exuberance, defenses have no tape on you, um, you, you have a chance to kind of catch people off guard. I, I think, like when I look at the two main guys, uh, rookies this year, when it's uh, McCaffrey and when it's Fournette, I look at Fournette as the guy I want for this year, McCaffrey is the guy I want for the long term. And I still like McCaffrey a lot for this year too. Yeah, I like McCaffrey too. Um, well, here's let's let's, follow, let's <laughs> do you have anything specific to say, or is this a good tier to kind of? I feel like all these four guys in tier are, are kind of uh, we could cross. Format. The question you have is: Can Blake Bortles put it together? You know, keep that fucking shit in Browns, in the words of Allen Robinson. You know, make some of these deep passes and open up lanes for this guy because their offensive line isn't going to be the road graders. I mean, maybe Cam Robinson comes in, steps in, and makes a big difference at the tackle spot. But other than that, these guys have been there for a while and struggled to open up lanes for guys like Ivory and Yeldon. He's already banged up. But I think in the third round, Fournette, I don't think he belongs in the second round even, referring back to that question. But in the beginning of the third round, if you want to take Fournette, I could see it because he probably has 1,500 total yard in his you know, likely range of outcomes. And then, can you rush for 1,100 yards in this season? I, I think that's way doable. Now, can he score touchdowns in an offense that likes to give the ball away? And how do they reshape this offense around him? Uh, do they slow down and pick, slow down the pace and play defense? But and that's something that gives you a little bit of a concern with you know, overall pass catching and things along those lines. I agree with that, but I mean, the way that he plays is going to dictate how they're going to use him. If he becomes that, that road grader or whatever, then that's the way they're going to go. That team that I said took DeMarco after us, 
took Leonard, so they they were on the uh, the, the the snake the end. Um, took Fournette with the 15th pick overall. Then we took Des, but Fournette he's moving up, not moving down towards the third round. He should be moving down, I agree. especially with the foot injury right now. I agree. But I, I haven't seen him go that high. People are just buying in. I third. They're expecting Ezekiel Elliott 2.0. I mean, yeah, well, whether it's it. Ezekiel Elliott it. exactly 2.0, it. but the other thing is that you can look when uh, when rookies pop off. It's not always the top rookies that pop off. A lot of times it's the guy who was drafted in the fourth round. But the ridiculous truth of the matter is, there's going to be at least two rookie running backs this year that are going to go boom in fantasy. Yeah. The thing is, at least overall, running backs are being drafted at a higher rate. Than they were last year and the year before that. And and that gives you pause because last year they had an outlier season in their production and the number of touchdowns scored by a running back rushing-wise was higher than it had been in the last decade. It gives you a lot of pause that it's just an outlier season. Now let's see it recome back. Well, let me ask you a question because we now have had this influx of running backs because that was part of the other thing. Remember, we had the, the, the surge of wide receivers. Um, and I know this is a little tangent, but I think it's a good tangent because we saw where there was so many more thousand-yard wide receivers and the difference between um, the uh, running backs and wide receivers as far as total point score was was narrowing. And but now with the, uh, the the advent of having guys like Devonta Freeman come in, David Johnson come in, um, this younger batch of wide receiver or running backs is better than what we've had, the schlock that we were getting for the previous yeah, for, four years. For three or four years, throwing back with talent was bad. Really bad. So it, it is an influx of talent you know, as well, but it's still a major statistical outlier. Before we move on to the next guy, let's remember, a year ago, Ezekiel Elliott, that team, that situation, it was a no-friggin'-brainer that this guy was going to be awesome. He was Drafted just as high as Fournette, both were fourth overall. That offense, that, that line, team, it was just like you, you knew kind of exactly what we all were on the, on board with Ezekiel Elliott last year. There's no one like that was like you maybe you were like, yeah, not, not 100 on board. Yeah, yes. you weren't, but me and Sage like this guy. It's just like too perfect a situation. That is not the Fournette case here. Um, uh, so, but it still still could, could 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 do it. Let's go to the t- Todd Gurley. Stag party, you started. He sounds like at number 11, second running back in tier four, not a chance in hell that he's going to land on your teams. I mean, he's probably drafted higher than running back 11. Uh, so, Todd Gurley, he has a lot of benefits going into this season after what he went through last season. First, bye bye Jeff Fisher. 8 8 just passed last week. Uh, so now we're at eight sixteen. I don't think it's possible for Jeff Fisher's team to go eight and sixteen in a season, but I'm sure he'd damn well try if he could. I didn't know your time. I'm like, is this some sort of voting? <laughs> like, vote on eight and eight. Eight 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 was Jeff Fisher day. <laughs> <laughs> I did not know that. What I did know though is I'm gonna have this Verde. Murph and the magic tones. Look at you in those candy-ass monkey suits. And I thought I had a bad Joliet. At least we got a change in clothes, sucker. You wearing the same shit you had on three years ago. Jake ain't lying, though. We had a bad pile of enough to turn goat piss in the gasoline. By the way, I'm drinking Fist City, Chicago Pale Ale from Revolution Brewing. 
That's my favorite brewery around right now. God, they're good. You've got great wings. If you live in Chicago, go over to the Revolution Brewery place. They got great food. What do you got over there, Mike? Uh, drinking the old Ballast Point uh, Big Eye India Pale Ale. So, going to a Twitter tangent real quick. Zach Eidner wants to know when's the best time to crack your first beer during drafts, and what's your session beer of choice? Val Verde. I like it. I've said this in all my draft strategies. Don't get caught up in drinking right when you get to the draft, because I like to show up a little early. Maybe have one before the draft starts, but until that bell rings, be easy. You don't want to be... I get sloppy quickly. You guys hear me on the show. (laughs) By the beginning of the show, I sound like, you know, the most eloquent, smart guy in the world. Big words, big words, the biggest words. <laughs> By the end of the show, I sound like a train wreck. So, how is that any different uh, in your fantasy drafts? Be smart, don't get shit faced because there's always some D bag that's going to show up an hour late, never starts on time. Your website, the website you're using, just Murphy's Law every time. ESPN, Fanball, CBS, all of a sudden isn't working right when you need it most. The commissioner didn't pay for the league or something, and then you're arguing about whose credit card the 180 bucks for the CBS. Something always. Oh wait, we got a we got a deep dish. We got a few Malnati's coming. Let's hold on. Let's eat and then draft. And you've been drinking for the last two hours. By uh, the end of the draft, you're going to be a, a little bit too schnockerty. So my Valverde zone, and I don't do session ales. So I was going to say, you're doing session ales. Go ahead, do whatever you want. You want. Yeah. If you're doing your bud lattes or your bush lattes, do whatever you want. Or uh, if you're gonna go for like, like we well, do like seven and eight like, percenters. I, I do like I do like founders all day IPA though. If, you, if, so you, if you're gonna do if you're gonna do a, a session ale, that's the a session IPA. That's the one to do. Um, Such a good beer. But no, mine are mine are nine percent or seven percent. So uh, your victories don't let, in a six hour draft means. Loss. <laughs> yeah. The best part about it is, though, this is where where tears comes in so handy. You know, True. And, and the other thing is, like I, I always say, know your league. Well, know your body. Know know your tolerance. You know that you get that you get. Know your culo. Know that your pH balance is going to go completely haywire when you have uh, after after three. Then maybe you should wait a little bit. But if you know that you can get into five or six before it's going to be a problem, go ahead and have a good time. That's I what like it's about. It. Good call. Um, all right, cool. We um, so getting back to Todd Gurley. Yeah, Gurley. Gurley's going in on Fantasy Football Calculator now. Just so you know, one thing about ADP that's super important. I interviewed and um, going to be putting up a show, uh, pro- hopefully Friday night, maybe Saturday. I interviewed Christopher Harris. Um, on Monday, and we had a good hour-long conversation. He's from Harris Football, ex-ESPN guy, good dude. Obviously, is a he's a full-time fantasy football head. But one of the things that he said on this during this interview that I thought was really interesting is he doesn't pay attention to ADP until this weekend. He's like, you know what, ADP, hair throwing around, hair slinging around. I do it. We do it. We use these. But we even said it two weeks ago on our show. We're like. Eh, but eight, the fantasy football calculator, where is it funneling in from? It's like, go to Fantasy Pros, and then we looked there, and really it was only being funneled in from uh, this site and their own. Like, he had a great point where he's like, ADP, I'm not going to start throwing out that word and start considering it until this weekend, because this is where on the main sites, 
they can get real information and you can get real draft ADP. I mean, obviously we've all drafted on some sites, but this is the this weekend's the big weekend that for the first round of heavy drafting and fan, real world heavy fantasy. I draft. did mine last week. Yeah, but there is one thing that I always find interesting about ADP because, especially as I have to do for us. Our early sleepers, our early, you know, different person. I have to look at ADP and what's out there at the time. And what tends to happen, and it's so interesting, where I, I kind of, in old times, if I was ever trying to formulate stuff, I would just kind of use that as a, a way to kind of, oh, let me figure out how I'm going to do my rank. I, I gave that up so long ago because it's just easier for me to start looking at the players. How do I really think they're going to be? Just put them out and then compare it. Yeah. To where those are, and what you find is like guys that we had, like Pierre Garcon, way higher. Was that like is it, was that like the forty fifth or fifty third receiver when that first ADP came out? He's now at like twenty six or something like that, right? So, um, so there are you see the players that jump, and what's interesting is that the industry on those ADPs is basically more of just a reflection of what happened the year before, and it starts getting more into tune as we get closer. Good point. Also, in regards to ADP, the only ADP that matters in your draft is the home site's ADP. That's correct. So there's undervalued and overvalued players on each format. So on ESPN, they use ESPN projections to find you know how they rank players for ADP. Those are the guys at the top of the queue. The top of the queue get drafted higher typically than ADP. That get drafted higher typically, that increases their ADP. So those things all happen in sort of a line. And, and you can find, no matter what site you go on, whatever site you draft on, each one will have different overvalued and undervalued players. And each one's different, so you can just examine that, do a mock draft on that site so you know what the queue looks like. Uh, if you're using a computer, you know, use that. Use that to your advantage. You can make, uh, you know, make advantage out of it. And a lot of people in your leagues will still use fucking ESPN cheat sheets. The best. They'll still it's the use... best when they do that. What I do, there's a site I go to called RedTube, and I don't use IDP <laughs> or ADP or IDP. I use uh, DP. That's that's what I, I so I use the service pretty well. So Todd Gurley. <laughs> uh, so you look at Todd Gurley, he had 70 carries against six men in the box, averaged 3.7 yards per carry. With seven men in the box, 3.4 yards per carry. With eight men in the box, 69 carries, nice, uh, 2.1 yards per carry. So no matter what formation was out there defensively against Todd Gurley, he just fucking struggled. But now he's got some advantages. Whitworth at left tackle, Greg Robinson out. Uh, Sean McVay, one of the brighter offensive minds who's going to use him in the pass game, who's going to find ways to open up some holes in the run game, and you know, getting in there, working with golf, hopefully providing a, a plus there. Sammy Watkins being able to add it and, <coughs> as a field stretcher. And now you look at the rest of the weapons. You know, last year it was, what, Kenny Britt and Tavon Austin and fuck if I know. Uh, the rest, the rest of them. So looking now, you got guys like Sammy Watkins. The you've company. Got, you've got Robert Woods. You've got Tavon Austin. You've got a shithead 
uh, named Josh Reynolds, and I'll get to Cooper Cup last, I guess. Uh, and, and Tyler Higby's a year older, and, and you know, a second year in the league. And now they've added other weapons in the draft at tight end. So they're just much deeper on offense than they were last year. And I, I think it's a, having a brighter offensive mind is good for Todd Gurley. I'll agree with all that. But if you want my outlook for him, it's going to be very simple. Jared Goff, best player on a bad team, not drafting him. That's it. I don't know what else there is to say. You know, we, we talked about... Remember CJ2K, when he was still being drafted very, very highly, and the Titans were horrible. Jeff Fisher, eight, eight. <laughs> <laughs> um, but that's where Todd Gurley is to me. I, I, I'm glad that they're bringing all these weapons uh, uh, around him to help out, and they're, they're finally solidifying all this stuff. Jared Goff hasn't proven anything to me as, as of this point in time. Uh, Sammy Watkins still has to get in, learn that playbook. Uh, stay on the field, and oh, it's now Jared Goff that you're catching passes from. It's not Tyrod Taylor. So um, I just think that there's a lot of reason to believe that this is going to be a lot of discohesion going on, or is that even a word? No cohesion going on in that locker room um, and uh, in that huddle. And I think that it's, that just spells bad news. You have guys that are trying to learn a new Everyone's trying to learn a new system. Yep. And so you're going to have guys stepping on each other's feet. And it's going to be rough in this first go. And, and so the thing is this. Maybe if you want to target Gurley, I'll say this. Don't draft him. Let the guy who suffers for the first six weeks with him, then you trade for him as they start figuring things out. I hope that Stag Party's uh, call with McVeigh and the fact that, you know, a, an innovative mind, uh, a, a guy that... From what I've what I'm noticing, he's he's never had a, a team that's ranked lower than 11th in rushing, so it's got to be a step up from uh, eight and eight day. Uh, so we'll see. Tiger Lee, obviously, Studley got all the uh, intangibles as a player, as an athlete. Let's see if all this new talent and the McFay and just a new regime and a new regard can help him out. I'm not going to be the one that takes a chance on it this year. Uh, just too rich for my blood. Uh, but I'm wishing him the best. I will tell you that. I like Todd Gurley. I think he's he's dope. Two years ago, I mean, it was that during those that, that five week little stretch he had. It was it was pretty impressive. So let's go on to the next guy, and that's Lamar Miller. He is going to be running back twelve in tier four. Let's do these next couple guys quick so we can get caught up a little bit. Um, Lamar Miller, and then the last guy in this tier at thirteen, running back thirteen, is Christian McCaffrey. Lamar Miller, what do you guys think? Uh, is this? Uh, I'm worried about the body, but I'm just. I, I, I seem to be more fading and fading on him as, as it goes. I, I I like at least uh, you know I I assume it's going to be Deshaun Watson who's going to end up winning that job there at the quarterback position, and I think that that potentially helps him. Um, but at the same time, Lamar Miller is a, is a, a a player that people have again. Put higher attributes on before we've ever seen it done, and what we've seen done. You know, we've seen a couple flashes, we've seen a little bit here, but we haven't seen the consistency. Uh, the likes of a DeMar- Demarco Murray, if you want to say, the the likes of a Devonta Freeman, if you want to say. Yeah. So, with Lamar, I, I again, he's one of those guys that I would much rather if. I drafted a David Johnson or a Le'Veon Bell or something like that at the top that I can add him in as a as as a as a second running back. But if he has to be my number one running back, like if I went 
two wide receivers, and now I'm stuck having to be Lamar Miller as my number one. I'm not really very pleased with that. Never the thing sure. is, is there any guys going after him that you are happy with as your number one? Uh, yeah, Christian McCaffrey. Well, no. I have him. Oh, no. I'm not. Gonna, no, I'm not going to say happy, but I would, I would, <laughs> no. I would, I would rather lean on a Ty Montgomery. It's not happy, not happy. But I, 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 I. the thing is, Joe, okay, so I mean, Joe Mixon. I'd rather have. I think I'm. I don't know. Jeremy Hill's the starter, and Gio Bernard's healthy, and they're saying that these guys are going to be worked in, and Jeremy Hill's getting red zone carries. Like, I understand the talents of Joe Mixon, but. What's the strength? I'm gonna. What's the strength of schedule for for that team? I'm gonna. For Houston. So so, what you're hoping for with Lamar Miller is that Deshaun Watson gets the job, that they run a more shotgun spread offense because Lamar Miller excels running out of the shotgun. He averages 4.5 yards per carry out of shotgun formation. Uh, he's a much better you know receiver out of that. Uh, he gets more and more involved when in the shotgun. He's sort of a spread style runner. And that's going to help him if Deshaun Watson's there. And we know Watson's ability to run a little bit. So with that and hopefully a healthy offensive line that he never really had last season, and they try to pull back his carries a little bit. And that gives him room to be more explosive and not have to worry about taking the beating. Because he put on weight last year. He's taking that back off, get it back involved, and just let Lamar Miller be Lamar Miller he was in Miami, even if it's not a 300-touch player. Just let him be, but that that's more of an RB two than it is an RB one. But eventually, if you go two wide receivers, somebody's gonna end up as your RB one, and you're not gonna like it. Yeah, no. you're, you're not gonna love. It. You're not gonna fall in love with it. You know, his strength of schedule is twenty five, so he's a, a, one of the lower ones based on our Pyro draft kit. Um, you got anything else to say on this guy? No. Nope. Okay. Before we get to the last guy in tier four, uh, how about you do us a favor and listen to this? Christian McCaffrey, lighting it up in um, training camps, looking good. Uh, he had a couple of nice plays, actually, in their in their first preseason game. You know, there's going to be a lot of people. The bandwagon with, with him is going to keep filling up, So, which means that the, the draft slot for him is going to keep moving up. Um, I love him. Again, with Stag Party, I agree with you. I don't feel happy about him being a wide, my running back, too. I mean, running back number one. Um, and there's a lot of question marks, you know. There's a lot of what-ifs with him. I, I'm down with the guy's program. I don't think he's going to have a great career. I think he's a great running back. But I, I just, maybe maybe I just, could he, could he be a, an 850-yard guy this year? Yes, 850 rushing yards. But then we're going to add in the receiving yards. Okay. This is my whole point. I look at, at uh, McCaffrey and Fournette as guys that can be running back ones. Um, and the other thing that I think is a benefit for him in Carolina right now is the fact that Curtis Samuel just can't get on the field. So you're still stuck. With he got that. on the field today, but okay. Okay, he did today. Okay, yeah. <laughs> finally, with yes. the, the second time, second day uh, of, of all since uh, yeah. camps open that he's been on the field. So it's going to take him longer to get installed in the offense. That that gives McCaffrey more opportunity to potentially uh, jump in, uh, into more roles. Because it's Devin Funches right now that would still be at the number two wide receiver spot. So um, I think that Jonathan Stewart is going to be doing a lot of that take the beating, and then McCaffrey is going to be able to one that's going to reap the rewards. So 
I, I like it that you're not worrying about McCaffrey having to get burned with those early first, second down inside runs that are going to really wear him down. I think that he becomes much more effective, and I think that if you can find ways, as you said for Lamar Miller with Deshaun Watson having him there, I think Cam Newton with McCaffrey, the things that they're going to be able to do because of that dual athleticism, I think is going to be very special. The issue is how does... Christian McCaffrey gets a 1,400 total yards and 10 touchdowns. Because that's what it takes to be a top 10 running back in standard. He's going to get that with 900, 900 rushing and 500 receiving. So that means he needs 200 carries. How is he getting 200 carries with Jonathan Stewart? He's not going to get to. He's going to get 170 carries. Fine. So let's let's go back. He'll get 700 rushing and 800 or 700 receiving. 700 receiving. Yes. How many running backs have done that in the NFL in the last David three Johnson. Years? Okay. Besides David Johnson. Christian McCaffrey. Oh. <laughs> okay. He, just overall, this is the problem. He had. To get to being a top 10 running back in standard, he needs 1,400 yards and 10 total touchdowns. How does he get 10 total touchdowns? There's no 10, you don't have to say the 10 total touchdowns because I, we already looked at so many running backs that have only scored 8, 4, 6. So, but also, 10 it, total touchdowns. Mark Ingram. Mark Ingram was last year's 10th running back. On 205 carries, he got 1,044 yards, 6 touchdowns. Yeah, but there's also running backs that were ahead of him that scored 4 touchdowns or 6 touchdowns. On more yardage. Yeah, I understand. On a lot more rushing attempts that, Chris, that Christian McCaffrey's not going to get. What do you think of Jonathan? What has Jonathan Stewart done in the last three years that makes you think that he's this guy that's going to deserve 225 carries? Uh, well, he's got him. He's got him the last yeah, three years, but yeah, there's one. Because there's been there's been uh, Cameron Artis Payne. He here's the one thing. He's, yeah, <laughs> good point. No, I agree with that. I agree with that. Last Fossey three years, Whitaker. He's played 13 games each of the last uh, three years, which is good for him. Before that, you know, he's nine six. So the hope is that he's kind he's, of he's getting up. 200. They're not going to just throw Christian McCaffrey to being to the Wolves of being the feature back. They've already said as much that they don't want him taking the beating between the tackles. Because if he's going to be the player that he needs to right. be, so he he's needs to be on the outside. He's gonna, Just the numbers don't work. So he'll do it the same way that Tyreek Hill put up ridiculous, weird numbers that got him to be one of the highest scoring fantasy guys. Because you know what? They'll start using him on special teams too. Still, Tyreek Hill wasn't a top 10 running back. Tyreek Hill is not a running back. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Take Tyreek Tyre Hill's score last year. We know what his score is in standard, right? So he got 130. Here's the points. answer. I'm going to give you the answer in in, uh, in in my in my audio. Val Verde. First you trade the Cadillac for a microphone. <laughs> then you lie to me about the band. Now you're going to put me right back in the joint. They're not going to catch us. We're on a mission from God. You know where Tyreek Hill finished among running backs last year? Tied with Jonathan Stewart. Hey, now, um, I like McCaffrey, so I, I'm not going to – I don't know how to how to – how the Venn dot or the pie chart works out in his fantasy point favor, but I think that uh, there's think about it and then put other people out of him. I think there's. Well, I'm, I mean, I'm just not. Stewart is well, not an impressive fantasy outlet to me. Just, this guy is just not that impressive. So I do think when you draft a guy at the eighth slot, that they're not going to be like, oh, we got to get these Stewart these carries. I just don't feel that way. It's not hasn't. I'm not saying he's not going to get so, 200 so carries. Here's hold, saying, on, hold on, hold on. I'm not yes. saying he's going to get 200 carries. I agree with that. But I just don't think. I just don't feel like they're worried about 
keeping Stewart happy here. You say zero percent chance for a top ten finish. It looks like it. Yeah. All right, I mean, so I gotta I'll give it a two percent chance. Bet, I'll, let's put. Let's do a bet. Give me the odds. Ten to one. One dollar to ten. He's the top ten running back at the end. Sure. Year. There you go. Okay. So how, who writes these down? You. So this is bets 2007. Hold on. Let's let's not try to keep. Let's not try to keep. Normally, normally we were doing like fifty dollars stupid bets. This this is this is a dollar to ten. Okay. McCaffrey that one. That one was standard. That that was McCaffrey. No PPR. No, I'm not. No, no, no. Who plays standard in fantasy? Houdini. Are our rankings in standard? Do you have him as the ninth overall running back in standard for the draft pick? Yes or no? Yes, I do. Okay, so it's bet. Okay, but but you know what? Do I you, do you play in any standard? Oh, yeah. Any standard yes. Yeah, I, yes. I was the ninth too. Yes. So what I'm saying you is, playing you got links still? Yes. Oh, if God. you if you guys want, well, we we do these based on we do these in standards. So hey, change your rankings then if it's not right. No. Well, no, guys, I'll, so I'll stand by my ranking. Don't dogmatic on me here. Are you <laughs> taking the bet? <laughs> Calm down. <laughs> <laughs> I am calm. You are not. You are dogmatic on right now. Shut up. On to the next one. McCaffrey one to ten. <laughs> Does not finish top as a top, tenning, top, ten, ten. top ten running back. Uh, after Christian McCaffrey is another guy who is high, Marshawn Lynch. I got a lot of questions about Marshawn Lynch because if you're really going to cap this guy at 200 touches, how the fuck is he going to be a top ten running back? So how is he going to be a top twelve running back? So, but here's I. I don't think he is. I can't disagree with you on this, and I've got I've got you know Marshawn Lynch in the same. It's basically where he's falling here, a little bit lower, I guess. But who are the guy? I guess who are the guys below him that you feel more excited about? Hyde, oh, no. Crowell, Montgomery. I just know Crowell's probably going to get a bigger slice of the pie. I'm starting. I'm starting to warm up to Montgomery, which I hate to admit, but um, that's definitely more so PPR. But. Hide over a Lynch? I don't know. I don't know. He's tough. I, do I think Lynch is going to be the Lynch of three years ago? Absolutely fucking not. Um, but I, I, I feel like I can go. I would rather go into battle with him than a lot of these guys below. And I like Hyde. I'm the a 49ers is- fanner, but I'm, I'm scared a little bit. If you're scared of uh, Hyde, to me, has got a lot of worries with Williams. I feel like Williams could just shine and be good, and they'll be like. Williams wasn't even the second running back on the field the preseason. Who, Hightower? They've got Matt Breida on the field before him, an undrafted free agent. They've got Tim Hightower on the field before him. Williams, like all this talk about him being a great fantasy asset because the coaching staff pounded the table for him, okay. have not come to fruition in the depth chart as so, of yet. So using your own words, it sounds like they got a, a few guys that could compete there. Doesn't that scare you for Hyde's sake? No, this is the guy who came in after Hyde, after Hyde played all of the snaps with Brian Hoyer. Like, that's what you can take from Tracy. I, I, I just, Hyde to me is a guy, I've never been high on him. I, I don't like him. I... I, he's, I, I, maybe it's all more victim of circumstance of where he plays. Um, you know that may be. He's on a horrible team. Um, he hasn't always stayed, stayed on the field. He hasn't done anything that's been like, oh my god, I have to turn my head. This is Carlos Hyde. Oh my god, I, I can remember one he's play. He's had some I, shiny moments. I remember like one one game. I did some shiny, one great moment. <laughs> but 
other than that, I just don't see it. And and, and to think about the, the consistency, consistency is of, not there. And to think Absolutely. about the consistency over a season and with that team to be able to put up consistent numbers. Hell yes, I'm all over Christian Hoyer is all an day improvement. Long. I like. Oh, I agree with that. Hoyer, I like for fantasy. I'm going to use the stag party argument. Take away that what was the first game or first two games by Hyde last year, and it's 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 not looking too sweet because he came out he came out guns a blaze, and I was like best thing ever. And yeah, right. Went right back to Hyde. Five. Uh, all right, well, let's bump. Well, this is good. We can. I think all these guys we can kind of power through and bundle them together. Next guy in our tier, sitting there at number sixteen after Hyde, after Marshawn Lynch in tier five, then it went Carlos Hyde. Then Joe Mixon, a guy obviously you're you're super high on Houdini. Uh, I don't know where I've got him, but I'm, I'm a little nervous. You, I feel like there's a lot of talent there. You got him at 22. Yeah, I, I got think, him at 23. I got they got a lot. I mean, Geo is playing, which is for me. You know, I've had an issue with Geo off season coming off that injury. He's playing. He's running. He's saying he's 100. percent All right, that are, oh, right away scares uh, scares me for Mixon, but also. Here's where he shouldn't scare you for Mixon. Hill maybe he, maybe, know, that, maybe up on him. Hill's the guy that, that you that you have to worry about more because Mixon can take those red zone touches away. If Mixon, you want your mythical ten touchdowns. Mixon has a great opportunity to easily get those ten touchdowns if he supplants Jeremy Hill. If he supplants Jeremy I Hill, understand. but that's the only thing Jeremy Hill does well is run near the goal line. But after a point in time, and it, there, there's gonna, they really, it's gonna be keeping these three running backs on this team. Is just in case as long as they're still in it. Once they start falling out of contention, sure, it's going to be all Joe Mixon. Where do you have Mixon? Thirteenth. Wow. And I'm yeah. not saying he can't pull that off. And so he's he's the he's the third he's the third wide uh, running back rookie running back that you think has a chance. Or do you like yes. uh, Cook as well? I like Cook also. Where do I have we'll Dalvin? Get, we'll get to Cook in a minute. Yeah, no, I, I, have, I have Dalvin more where you guys have okay. um, uh, this guy. So, Nixon. usually two running backs, two rookie running backs will finish among the top 24 at the position. So which of these four guys who we all probably have right around the top 24, which two are going to fall off? I mean, that's where you have to make your, your bets. And I think it's definitely Dalvin Cook. I'm definitely not seeing that happen. I think he's, he's already like at least with Brand- Dalvin Cook, he's the number one on the team already. Number one on the depth chart already. The number one receiving back on the depth I'm chart. Not, I'm, not, I'm not on board yet. I know yeah. that's crazy, but um, and he looked great the other night. Like, yeah, listen, I, we we've seen it on the field with Dalvin Cook so far. That's that's the part that scares you. Yeah. Okay. And a lot of this stuff becomes more. I good, not, the thing it. is, if you're it, it becomes it becomes if you're doing a draft right now before all these other second games and, and third games have been played, you, you're doing it a lot on your on your gut, right? But go with your gut. If you got this true feeling about like I, if I have that true feeling about McCaffrey, then I'm going to go with it. You know, if I'm wrong, I'm wrong. You know, you you yeah. I, I don't feel that I'm going to be wrong with the rest of my picks, so I'll be okay. And you know, it's not like you're getting a zero value player with any of these guys. So. It's just a matter of who do you think really has that high potential upside. Look, Fournette, if he can stay healthy, that's a great one because he's going to get fed the rock more than anyone. But go ahead, Stags. So the thing is, these guys are all third-round picks, third, fourth-round mm-hmm. picks. The third round is filled with fucking landmines. These guys all have lots of warts. Are you saying across every position? Pretty much. Yeah, really. 
I like so I like the wide receivers there. I love uh, prior this sure. there. Sure. I think there's more landmines. Yeah, like Kelsey and I like. Kelsey. I think there's more land landmines at the running back position than any of them. So if you're looking at a third round running back, I don't think they're as attractive as everybody makes them out to be. No, but doesn't that also make sense that there's more landmines at, at running back than there ever have been? Because now instead of there only being a running back running a running back two, it's it's a it's a running back by community, and now teams are having at least four, if not five, active on game days. So. Uh, That's why I love what we're, what we're so, kind of doing is getting one of those great running backs is, is just make sure you get one of those guys, the, the top six, seven guys, and then do some great times with the wide receiver, maybe dabble in the Kelsey realm, uh, third round, uh, fourth round. Uh, we, I don't know. I just, yeah, I agree. What running back style, it's a little worrisome there. Well, you know what Roll it is? Out, Cook, uh, Ingram. <laughs> Because here's the scary part about these. This, 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 He's this. not going that high. Let's think about. I'm, I'm in the 14. Look, look, well, let's, let's, let's look at these running backs. If you're looking at, like, uh, when we get to running backs, like 18 through 25, right? Or 18 through 30. It's kind of like a swell in an ocean. So we're at that down swell. Because these are guys who are still starters. But they're, they're tenuous starters, or they're just starters who have underperformed, and there's someone who's going to potentially take their job. So that's why these running backs of the most, I'm the most scared of. I don't, I'd rather have that, if you can get one of those top guys, even if it's one of the top seven, okay, then you don't just avoid these ones yeah. altogether and then wait till the next swell and start looking at and grabbing a bunch in running backs numbers like 31 through 44. Kind of, I, get two I feel like we've all, all been doing that. I think that I, I agree. Uh, all right, so Mixon, quick question, and then we'll move on to Isaiah Crowell, the next guy in this tier five. What are your expectations, projection wise? I'm not asking you to look at them if you can remember them, but what are, is this a guy that you're? I know you like him. Obviously, you like him, and you may well be right. He could be just a total stud. What are your thoughts? Has ever been the guy to step out as much? So I've been. Stu- I, I, I decided to step out more this yeah. season. Uh, as my my rankings amongst us have not been as as good, so I'm I'm sticking with my guts and I'm going with them. smart. Yeah. So what are you? What's your question? What, what, what am I? I, I I'm bump, asking him more. I know where you stand. I, I bumped up Joe Mixon recently to being sort of the top back in, in the committee uh, and doing it, you know, through the receiving game and getting some of the touchdowns. So I've got him one sixty one seven thirty eight and five. 37 receptions, 49 targets, 319 and 2. So basically 1,007. So give or take 2,700 plus 42, 142, 145, 145 standard points, which would have finished, you know, RB 22 last year. He said there's two to end up in the top uh, 24 each year. Now, now the other thing too is with that whole committee thing, we we still need to see it. It's good that the Geo's back. Is he going to be 100 percent back? Oh man, injury? have you seen Geo? I know. So I know. He's saying that he feels like he's in top-notch shape. These injuries, I mean, all the things we ever thought before—they're just technology. Also, no, rehabs, one thing I'll tell you from from well from from the things that I do for work with genetic testing. Yeah, everyone's different. So you can't just say, oh, just because this guy recovered so well. Every is different in your field? We do genetic testing too, man. So your DNA is different than his DNA and my Thank DNA. <laughs> and, and how you respond to things is completely different. So you may be a lot better responder at certain things than at other things. And so 
your you may just have a genetic makeup where your muscles do heal faster than others, and you you come back stronger if you do the right rehab. You know, so hey. My one muscle definitely. Uh, wait, what? Um, <laughs> yeah, so we heard you working that muscle before we came in. Derek, open the door. Hang on a second. Hang on a second. Oh, yes. Terrific. Um, <laughs> okay, let's go mixing. Okay, I like it. Let's see. Isaiah Crowell, um, he's our next guy in there, and this is at 17, running back 17 in tier 5. I'm just going to name three guys that are in this tier, and then let's talk about them. Uh, Ty Montgomery is at running back 18 in Tier 5, and the last guy in Tier 5 is number 19 at running back, C.J. Anderson. Um, however you guys want to discuss these guys, I think they're all kind of interchangeable. Some people love uh, one, some people want to go with the other. But. Here, here's the thing. I don't love Crowell, but I feel like of all these other guys we're talking about, He's got the safest path to touches. Like, we know he's probably the starting running back. Duke Johnson's pretty much playing slot receiver. Like, all these... People th- love that guy, though. That's just PPR. That's just basically glorified... Poor man's Ty Montgomery is what people have been calling him recently. I, I just don't get it with Duke. Duke's, Duke's a guy who has to play from spread formations... Out of the shotgun, he's not a prototypical running back. Going to be, you know, getting handoffs from behind center, playing behind the eye formation. He's not going to excel in those sort of formations. But if you can get him in the shotgun on third and down, run, running draws, running screens, you know, moving him out to slot receiver where he can use his shiftiness in the open field, those things are good. But you know, looking for pure running back, I think Isaiah Crowell is the guy who's going to carry the goddamn load for them. And we talked about all these other guys with question marks and how do we divvy up the pie. Isaiah Crowell doesn't have that question. And that's why he's ranked 14 for me over some of these guys. And I don't even like him that much. I, I hear you saying, I have him rated the lowest at 29. And it's it's not a sexy pick. I think I probably am the, the one who probably falls Where more into 29. Uh, Where do you have him, 14. 14. So yeah, falls more to pray where everybody else is. Oh, it's the Cleveland Browns. It's that number one running back. It's just not sexy. Um, so, you know, that's kind of where he's at. Hold your convictions. You're about to say, I might move him up. No, no, no. <laughs> but, but, but the other thing is that I look at also another guy like him who's similarly a starting running back completely undervalued, although Crowell is definitely about four, three stairs or four stairs ahead of him is Terrence West. Oh, I've been saying that all us or well, since the injury to Kenneth Dixon. I said, yeah, Terrence West is a discount Isaiah Crowell. Like, yeah. They're not great runners. They're, they're going to score some touchdowns. They're going to catch some passes, and they're going to get the bulk of their team's carries. Do you need a guy that's going to get you at least 20 touches on a week yeah. and have a chance for a touchdown? Well, that's what, that's what you're getting there with the, those, those guys. And hell... If you're drafting that, and granted, we may have him, uh, I don't know, what, what is he on, on calculator? Because I bet you on calculator, Crowell's probably going to be about 24, 25. No, is, no. He's high. Is Crowell, he really? Yeah. People He's 14. Are, really? Third, high second, second pick in the third round. Whoa. I'm, and that's like, 12, I don't that's like Crowell's teams. price. I don't like Crowell's price. I'm willing to admit that. In the early in the offseason, going like, ahead of McCaffrey and Ty Montgomery. Okay, and so that's I, interesting. So and Mixon. This is this is always how it, how it comes out. So as long as like for me, I just don't want to have the number one running back for the Cleveland Browns. 
I get it. You know, I, I just I know I'm not going to get high end production, but if I can make him my running back three, and he falls into that spot where it, it makes more sense, then it's a great pick. But if I'm paying up and he has to be my running back two, because that's what he's going to be, if not a running back one, if you're talking about round three. I don't. I, I don't. I completely agree with that. Like, I added but I know I'm back not. to in, la- in some a couple of teams last year, and it's like he has some nice games. You're like, Crow, yes. Like even even just a good game, you're super excited because he outperformed. There's a lot of times you're just like, oh, good good lord, how did I get stuck with the fucking running back on the bottom? <laughs> those so are the days I'm like, like thinking. Those are the days I'm at the Bear game, and I'm looking up at the at the screen as they put up the fans and. I don't see any of my players. <laughs> the thing is, yeah, you set up your parking. You said nine twelve. Oh yeah, thank there you. you go. Oh, the thing cool. is, with uh, with Crowell, you got him at such a discount last year. You're paying the premium on him, right? Exactly. Now. And I'm not doing it. Like I didn't even like him. You weren't. I wasn't liking him when I was seeing overly, and when you were getting the discount. So I, I agree with that call. Um, let's move on. Ty Montgomery, I yeah. love, but right now he last he's two days. On up. Last two days, he suffered a hamstring injury, so he's not been in full padded practices right now. He's sort of jogging along on the side, trying to get healthy. So they're giving more and more touches to these rookies, uh, which you know sort of hurts him a little bit. But like we're talking about Ty Montgomery, like he was awesome last year, um, so. If they're going to give him 10 carries a game and then he's going to be their full-time third down back in a pass-heavy offense and they're going to give him some red zone opportunities, those things are all you know great opportunities for Ty. Uh, he's, he's the biggest of all their goddamn running backs, which is surprising. So I am I'm a big fan of Ty. Uh, the thing is, a lot of people are on him and yep. his price is high too. I like I was getting him in the 10th round early. Experts love him. Yep. Every expert. All, the, all the metrics are there. He's one of the most agile guys in terms of height, weight, explosiveness, lower body explosiveness. So those what is things he? He's are like all there. Is he 6'220? What's that? Is he 6'220? Yeah, he's he's like my grandmother's 6'4, 220. Breakdown! <laughs> Come on, Days are confused? I don't know. I don't know this stuff. You'll be sitting around the pool, chasing the muff around. The only thing you remember from Dazed and Confused is being Dazed and Confused himself. (laughs) I'm living my own version of that film. All right, all right, all right. Um, C.J. Anderson, with C.J., like, when he's in and healthy, like... It's great. When is that? (laughs) I mean, eight to ten games, hopefully. He is one guy, though. Let's Let's look at his... People like him too, but C.J. Anderson. Okay, so he's twenty third running back, so that's fifth round. He is a guy, and I, I when I've looked at him, and I'm not a huge C.J. guy. We don't need to hear about Houdini's take on C.J., but we know it. Um, we he is the one guy that's getting drafted. And you're like, hmm. There is some. If everything works out, plays sixteen games. We've seen what Booker is, and isn't he already hurt? He's, yeah, he's hurt. So you're just sitting there like, if this guy can go 16, Jamal, is there any reason? Jamal Charles. No, Jamal not. Charles could be cut. I'm not worried about uh, that guy. I'm not worried like, about Jamal, Jamal. Jamal Charles is barely healthy, and they're holding him out of preseason games, and they're saying he can be cut. I'm not but worried. That's, Jamal, he's the guy that's the thing, overdrafted here's, here's, of anyone. C.J. Anderson. C.J. Anderson. Let me quickly end my thing. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Okay. He could be... Like a top ten running back, 
And he's yeah. going in the fifth round, and he's going as the twenty third. There, I know it's tough. I'm not saying, but if everything works out right, and he's been a good running back three years ago, he was a great running back. He could. That's Peyton Manning. Not a terrible team. I'm sorry. When he was the fourth option, it was great. When no one was planning for him, he did great, and he also did great when he came in at week nine, and everybody else had been playing nine weeks. So. Maybe. Other than that, I don't. I, I look at him as again, he's a he's a landmine. The, the <laughs> thing is, he's going late enough where you can avo- afford to take that gamble. Yeah, I mean, he averaged last year. He averaged twelve point four fantasy points a game. He had what? Uh, yeah, those first couple games he had were amazing. I remember going to my friend. Oh my god, I just told him. But but then he then he fell on his face a few games after that. So yeah. it was he, he had spiked the average spike from, from a couple season. from the first yeah, or second. Yeah, but it, in before being hurt against Houston, which is a tough defense, tough, the best. I mean, will say. he had a hundred yards rushing and a touchdown, and then got hurt and was gone for the rest of the year. So, like he had his ups at the very beginning of the season. He had some lows. But when he's sort of in there, he can give you those impact games. Here's that, what I worry, though. He's a guy that has never been able to do that for a long extended sure, period of time. No, because no, no, no. I think he runs so hard that he probably runs himself into injuries. No doubt. Here's the one thing I will say. Even Instead of running year, out of bounds. <laughs> he only played seven games last year, yeah. but I do like that 12.4 fantasy. But he did, uh, he did have uh, – he's always had over four yards per carry. Um, and I don't think Peyton Manning. I hear you, but he, who's who, Peyton Manning? Well, because hold on, hold on, hold on. Who do you hold on? He two years ago is when two three years ago is when he had his best season. So he had uh, you know, 177 points. He was at 12.7. Was Peyton really that great that season? No. Well, it, before the fall off, though. It was before the fall off. I feel like the season that Peyton was really awesome no, was no, the, I, he wasn't really a part of that. I office. agree. But that year that he was with Peyton, where he had his best, Peyton was not the Peyton of the the, four, the, oh, the, the year later, okay, yeah. where it was complete waste. And you were always focusing more on what they were going to do in that passing game than what they were going to do in that running game. Yeah, and he well, wasn't the main guy that year. Peyton was pretty good that one. Wasn't it? Wasn't it still the boy Ronnie Hillman? Wasn't he still the guy then? Terrible. Right, but that was that was who he had to beat out. So let's move on. Let's yeah. move on because I think we just don't know. You're right. <laughs> we don't know. He yes. needs to play the games. He needs to stay healthy. And I agree with you in a lot of ways that that's not going to happen. But if it does, the draft capital that you're getting on him, he can be a running uh, RB one. Where a lot of these other guys, you're not digging that. Before we get on to the next tier, which is going to be tier six, uh, and it's going to be running back number twenty. Uh, do us a favor and listen to this word from our sponsor. Alright, tier six, running back twenty, Tevin Coleman. Leading the tier six at twenty, uh, what do you give? Give me what you think on on Coleman. Do you think he can, if Freeman stays healthy the whole season, do you still do you think he can be a uh, a big performer and bring big points to a team? Do you think they have enough in that pie chart that we're kind of talking about in other regards for other players? I have some concerns with Tevin Coleman. I mean, he scored eleven total touchdowns last year and with those 11 total touchdowns he had what 
944 total yards, a lot of big pass plays. We've talked about how this offense is going to regress. I I think he's good. I think he's going to be in there for 12 to 15 touches, and we know he's an explosive playmaker. So when he's on the field, I I have no real concerns. I just don't know if he's playing more than 40% of the team snaps. Like, Devonta's the guy. They just signed and paid him. Like, he's going to be the man of the offense, and he's their preferred option in the red zone where Tevin Coleman really scored last season was on long, long touchdown plays. Those typically don't follow up. This is an offense due for major regression. Yeah. What, you got anything? Well, I mean, I I, I understand that there's going to be some regression in the offense, but the fact of the matter is that you still have major weapons all over the field, and... Where the regression is going to happen more is going to be in the passing game, in my opinion, because I think the and regression... That's where he excelled last year. I understand, but I also think that he's going to get more carries this year. So I think it's going to be kind of a split. I have him rated higher, and it's more basically as a anticipatory thing. If anything were to happen to Devonta Freeman, and if you're looking at want to talk about accuracy from the beginning of the year at the end of the year, these are some of the things that you have to take into account when you're, when you're moving guys in certain places. The upside for him is just insane. If Freeman goes down, he becomes a potential top ten running back. Yeah, and I know we talked about that on our show, and I think we talked about that on recently on the show as well. And there's, let's say one thing: the explosive numbers, those long touchdowns you're talking about. It seems like they are not an outlier on this team. This team with Julio, with Gabriel, with Tevin Coleman, and even a couple of years ago more so with Freeman, this team has a penchant for big plays. So if you're getting more points for long touchdowns, you're getting uh, more you know yards-based leagues, this team, the Falcons, definitely seem to have some big game-breaker type plays. More than... I mean, I, I can't think of a team that has, has more. Maybe the Packers. I mean, Packers, Sk- Saints. Maybe, yeah, maybe Packers, Saints. Really almost, maybe, no, no, I can't say it. But they have that. So I think it's gonna, it could come down for sure. Let, no, but let's he, remember but, two years ago when this offense wasn't one of the best in the league. Remember, once they were learning Kyle Shanahan's offense, things weren't fucking rosy. This was a middle-of-the-pack offense. Tevin Coleman's rookie year, no, he wasn't a big impact player. The only guy that really got it done was Devonta and Julio. They ran through two players. Last year, they ran through five or six or seven players. How are they going to support a, a top five running back, uh, a top 15 running back, uh, the, a number three receiver? Well, all of this needs to be seen, right? We, we, need to, we need to know. It's not Kyle Shanahan's uh, car anymore, Okay. Or it's Kyle Shanahan's car, but someone else is driving it. And very well, it could go off the off the wheels and, and spin it off into a curb and, and crash mightily. But <laughs> the fact is, when you're loaded with that much weaponry, the odds are still in your favor that even if you have regression, you are going to be still so far ahead of the average that it's not going to hurt you that much. Here's a question I got for you. He, he pretty much finished the same in PPR and non-PPR last year, which is interesting because we think he's more of a, uh, a receiver type of guy. But where do you guys think Tevin Coleman finished in both PPR and non-PPR last year well, you for those, running back? Those touchdowns are huge. So I'll say 18. 17. But I, 
I've been looking at that for a half an hour. Okay. The guys are both, they're both right there. So, oh, say 17 and 18. Oh. But that's really impressive. That's considering good. he missed three games. He played 13 games. In a secondary year. role. Yeah, and he's a secondary guy. So, he's a top 20 running back. He's coming at the value that we know, that we kind of like and appreciate. No? I don't know. Like... It, we we well, have we to respect him. You liked him. In, 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 we, we grabbed him. That well, there was nobody else. I know, but I'm saying, but you, you liked him better than where we got him. I didn't feel like he was. Let's let me quickly look on on calculator. He's going as a 32nd. So if he's going, he doesn't go. He doesn't go that low usually. Like he goes as a top 20 running back. That's the problem. Like well, no, but so but this is okay, one of those. Don't grab, I don't think he's worth that. But it, I, it, I haven't seen that. I mean, but but we've also got him ranked as RB. Are you going by MFL tens strictly, or are you going by everything? MFL tens. I've looked across the board. I've but MFL tens. I think he's the best in. ball. Yes, he's the best ball because he's got that explosion yeah, factor. He's but the best, drafts I've done real. I've done real drafts last week with you know friends and casual people. I got. Where did he get drafted? You sent us a text. Show us that. I just want to know. I'm not saying you're wrong. I just want to make sure. I, I, I'll agree because there's always perennial, perennially there are players who are rated on ADP at like a 30 or some of that, and, and they don't get drafted that way. They get overdrafted in every league, and that's maybe to say polling is not always right. <laughs> <laughs> you guys told me. Uh, you guys didn't think I'd be here. Uh, yeah, you're right. Anyway, I think. And leagues are different. Scoring yeah. systems are different. I think in a, in a league where you have explosion factor and you give a bonus for long touchdowns, if you're not drafting a Tevin Coleman ahead of essentially every one of these guys right here, then you're not paying attention because he is the guy that can bust, bust a, 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 you a nice dump You have to look at, yards. especially for running backs who are secondary running backs on a team, right? Do they score touchdowns? Because if you can't score touchdowns, then your potential for fantasy points are so limited. And the running back one, Devontae, was six last year. Where did he go? The, 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 he went in the sixth round, pick running back 19. So. 19. But, but that, feel, that feels pretty good, right? Sixth round, Tevin Coleman? No? How many teams not over, the, oh, not over the other running backs, 12. 12. Yeah. So we got him in the sixth round ourselves. But that was 14 team league, 70, 72nd pick. Sure. I like, over the other running backs where we picked him. But that's that experts. Fine. I mean, I think these guys are all fucking smart dudes. Like, I'm just saying, it, it seems like people, because he's a secondary guy and because there's a number of great rookies, there's some new changes. Like, even Adrian, you're, you're scared shitless of Adrian Peterson. Adrian Peterson's still going in most drafts I'm seeing ahead of Ingram. And there's, a lot of, there's a lot of things that are changing. And the, as you said, this position is nutrient-rich because of the performance from last year. And he's still going, at, we got him in the 72nd pick. If you can get him in the sixth round, for a guy who has the potential, if something does happen where he goes up, because he becomes the number one guy. But otherwise, he's still getting touches. Let's say that he has that major regression. For a guy that you can draft in the sixth round as a running back, who's probably not, hopefully not your starter at that point in time, he can give you still six touchdowns, you're going to get fancy production on these. So, yeah, but if he regresses from 11 well, so to, to 6. six. Well, so if he cuts his touchdowns in half... like Well, I'm saying, well, a, worst case, I'm saying a worst case. So now, now we're talking about he drops 32 points... He drops mm-hmm. from 160 fantasy points to, uh, what, 125? Understood. But what I'm saying is, 
when you if you could if you have this knowledge ahead of time, you say, but look, I know that I'm playing for the potential, and it's like when you used to draft handcuffs, right? You used to draft a handcuff player. You're drafting a guy who's going to get four or five carries a game, and you're holding him, holding him, holding him on your on your on your bench. That, that, you was, could, bad. that if, was bad. You shouldn't have done that. Tevin Coleman, yeah, but Tevin Coleman for what he can do. If you're getting him in the sixth or seventh round, it sure. is well worth that that risk option, like a Josh, like a like a Josh Gordon is, right? I mean, come on. I mean, <laughs> I'm throwing. He hates that call. Um, okay, let's go quickly. Finally, <laughs> you have to pick. You have to pick one of the players on this team to regress, like Taylor Gabriel, sure, and Muhammad Sanu, Muhammad Sanu for sure. I think they could, I think they I think they all regress a little bit. Okay. So across the board regression. But we're still drafting them at where they finished last year. I don't think so. I just I don't know. I, I'm just saying Tevin Coleman, I'm not saying anything about him other than if he's there, and to be honest, I was thinking of other players when I that was the one first pick I texted you, like, hey guys, we got three these three guys, and you were unanimously, both of them were like Who's the other Coleman. option? I mean I can look at it was LeGarrette Blunt. Here, here, look it up because... LeGarrette Blunt. LeGarrette Blunt. Here, here's what you're on the We went five picks later in that draft. Go. We went 78, six picks later. But they aren't. The Archbishop wants to sell this building outright to the Board of Education. What's going to happen to you? I'll be sent to the missions. Forget it. Five grand, no problem. We'll have it for you in the morning. Let's go, Ellen. No, no. I will not take your filthy stolen money. Well then, I guess you really have shit creek. I beg your pardon, what did you say? I offered to help you. Mm -hmm. You refused to take our money. Mm -hmm. Then I said, I guess you really have shit creek. Christ, Jake, take it easy, man. Oh, Jesus Christ. Oh, Jesus Christ. Oh, Jesus Christ. Oh, Man. That's where that comes from. My buddy used to always say that. Fuck this noise, man. <laughs> um, all right. So here, here's the last thing I'll say. Let's just move on. It doesn't matter. No, um, move on. What the other guys that also C.J. Anderson went was still available at that point. Let's go on. Let's quickly go through uh, these guys in tier uh, six. Uh, we'll kind of, if you don't mind, I'll kind of jumble them together and let's just kind of do a little souffle with them. Uh, Amir Abdullah is the, we have in tier six is 21. Eddie Lacy is 22. Mark Ingram's 23. Dalvin Cook's 24. Spencer Ware is 25. Adrian Peterson 26. And Mike Gillisley is 27. Um, Amir Abdullah, scary. I mean, we've never really seen it. This guy's been riding on his name and college performance forever. But what's what's there to stop? What's there to impede him 
from being what he can be. I don't know. Center's not is a guy that I do think can, is consistently going to be there. And Riddick is uh, a PPR machine. Riddick is a PPR machine, but Riddick is more like a Darren Sproles. He's maybe going to give you 90, 90 carries, 100 carries. He's not a guy that's going to give you 150, 160 carries. Amir Abdullah is still going to do all that main lifting. He's got the same. And he's small. I think Amir Abdullah is smaller than Riddick. No, there, I don't think. Uh, I'll, I'll look, but I, there, he's not like five eleven. But Abdullah's not like some big bell cow. Like he's two handle two fifteen, two eighteen. I'll look at. Okay, let me just look at it. Go, go ahead. Uh, Theo just looks small when you look at him on the field. So uh, Amir five Abdullah. nine two zero three Amir Abdullah. From when? I just looked on ESPN. Theo Riddick five nine two zero one. They're the same size. Abdullah's not a big guy. So surprising then why did they never give him like Theo because he's not a good rusher? Yeah. yeah, he's a catcher. That's all he can do. He's like he's like CJ Pro size. He's Darren Sproles. Yeah, he is. Anyway, that's what my only fear with Abdullah is people are like, oh he's gonna get it. And like, there's a reason why it hasn't happened, because he's he's But not you a know what? Before he got hurt last year, those couple the was the two games that he put up on, 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 on tape were pretty damn good. He was and he got hurt in the middle of the of the second game. He was he was on fire. He was like literally he had finally put things together. So you yep. put him into this offense, and again with all of emerging guys, right? So you know there's no Calvin Johnson there. There's no one that's like dominating to say I'm going to get the lion's share of everything. So I think he has a great opportunity to step in there. I mean, he's got a great opportunity, but again. If your catches are limited and your red zone work's limited, that's why you're an RB2. Are you likely to rush for 1,000 yards? Are they going to give you 200? Yeah, they two games left. Are, are they going to give you 250 carries? Uh, I, I don't know, but can he get over 200? Sure. Like, he's just an RB2. Like, expecting more from that. Like, I think you should draft him over Tevin Coleman, though, because Namir's probably more likely to be the guy and if one of his counterparts were to go down, he'd get red zone work or he'd get Or he'd get all the PPR work. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah absolutely. So that that's that's where Amir has an advantage. Plus that offense is dynamic. Um and, and they're gonna need to throw the ball. They're gonna play spread and hurry up and do all those things that's gonna keep him on the field. So after Amir Abdul we've got Eddie Lacey. Eddie Lacey's got you know bad news coming by the day. Thomas Rawls getting all the starter reps. Thomas Rawls getting all the starter reps with, you know, Russell Wilson in the games. Uh, C.J. Procise getting all the receiving work, and they really expect him to take a step forward. So, and the, so I mean, the, the thing about this from a grand scheme, though, they brought in Eddie Lacy. They brought him in with the weight restrictions, right? So he had to get under underweight, hit all these marks, and Pete Carroll at heart. Is the best one of the you could say the best, if not one of the best college coaches of all time, right? And part of why you're able to be successful in college is that the great players you can bring in another player and you can kind of push them. And Rawls and Procise, Rawls had this job basically handed to him last year after Lynch retired, and he fell on his face with it. So you know what? We're not going to make you have an easy summer. But he earned it a little bit when 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 um, Marshawn got hurt his last year. With Correct. That. So, but so what? Then the thought is, why don't we bring in some competition for him and not let him think that he has it and make him work harder? And maybe that's what's happened. And so, even at the worst case scenario, I mean, they didn't sign Lacey for a big time. It wasn't major money, right? 
So you're able to have this as a motivating factor and maybe you get the most out of the other players. I can believe it. Rawls is Rawls and and think about Rawls and Carroll standpoint. Rawls and Procise video tests, looking at it, eye test, watching the games. Those guys are both bona fide studs when they're in there getting the ball to them. Go stag party before you do that. Tim Hightower already took that work last year, and Mark Ingram is still a top 10 fantasy running back. And now Mark Ingram's price is so depressed to where you don't have to draft him in the third round like you had to. Now he's going in the fifth, sixth, seventh round of drafts. Like, that's when you take opportunities to pounce. Like, his ADP the last three or four years has been top three rounds, and now he's in the fifth or sixth round. I'll, I'll give you, here's, here's my thing. I, I really don't know what they think of him in New Orleans. They obviously don't think that highly of him when you go and you, know that. When you, when you bring in Adrian Peterson then you draft Alvin Kamara. So, but to me, the fact that he could be pushed back and the fact that you may think that, or maybe that there's a potential, and I think there's a great potential, we're seeing it starting to happen more. And the NFL is finally becoming fun like the... Uh, like the uh, MLB and the NBA with the trade deadlines, Ingram is a prime candidate to get traded this year. If if I Adrian, still strongly disagree with this. If Adrian Peterson, why? Because can I, can I say one thing again? I know it's a fourteen man league, and I'm just going by the most recent league with people that I think this this league matters. People are caring and trying to do well in it. Ingram went in the third round, and he Oof. was the 39th pick. Oof. That's earlier than he's gone all offseason. Yeah, I'm just saying. So I think people, people, certain people do like him because he's he's coming off his best season as a pro. Yeah. And, and, and he actually, they left a lot of opportunities for him on the table. Remember when he was big? He was so pissed. Week nine and ten. He was like, they don't, they don't want me to score and get these yards because they don't want to pay me my incentives, my incentives yeah. that are in my contract. He thought it was like, and I bet you he's right. The owner's like, yeah, hey, yeah, hey, Peyton. Stifle him a little bit. I don't want to have to pay that extra five hundred grand. But this is my this is my whole point. There there is a contention between all these parties. So it's it's one of those things that if you if we get to now the extent of what the trade deadline is it week seven week eight week eight week eight. So if New Orleans very well could be sitting here at at week seven and being two and five or three and four at best, or if they have a bye week two and two and four or whatever the case is. At that point, if you get offered a second round or a third round pick for, for Mark Ingram, you probably take it. I don't even think the, the record matters. I think it, it more matters about is Adrian Peterson looking like he's 
a, a guy that's got a couple years left. And is Alvin Kamara looking like a guy that we can turn it over to? Yes, and he could be the third down back. If A and B is then, true, then we trade C. Then, yeah, then, then, then you can get some offers. I don't know. I honestly think, I, I, I agree with you. I think it's 40-60 he gets traded this year. I think he's got the one of the better chances. We don't see a lot of trades in the NFL. So to call it, at, even at 40% as being... I was saying you're saying forty percent trade, sixty percent stay. Yeah, forty percent. That, that's still very optimistic. No, I know, I know. I like throwing shit out. Um, all right, let's. Uh, you got anything else on Ingram? I know you like him, and I, we all like him. And I agree with the Stag Party. And the fifth round, it's a good time. He's a good all player. He's a good, good time as a Valverde. I bet those cops have got squads. Squads. State, county, municipal offender data system. Nice. You're on there, Houdini. I have a feeling. So, I, I've been registered once or twice. Go. New Orleans gave 200 carries <coughs> to different players that weren't marking from last year. So, he had basically half of their team rushing attempts. So, if you don't think he's getting half or so again, and he's the guy that they're using as their first, third down back. And yeah, AP's being the hammer, the short yardage guy they use, you know, to break down defenses late in games when they get the lead and just be the grinder that they don't want Mark Ingram to be. You know, great, but Mark Ingram's gonna put up numbers in limited carries. Mm-hmm. Like we he's agree. going to. So we agree. Yeah, yeah. We agree. Uh, I think what's what'll happen situationally, game by game, is if ha- if Mark Ingram's got it going and things are rushing, it's going to be a depressed game for AP. And if the vice versa, in the yeah. first couple series, you see an Ingram and he's not lighting it up, and yet at the same next time you give a series to AP, he's fucking busting them and running like uh, the AP of old. Then they're going to be like, all right, AP, let's let's ride the AP hot hand today, and. Who knows where that goes? So, um, Dalvin Cook. So he's the wide. He's the running back. Sorry, running back number one right now on the depth chart for them. You're. What do you expect? Look, Latavius Murray's out. Yeah, he's, he hasn't played at all. Right? He hasn't even yeah. gotten like even a practice. Right? This is one of those things that's like the greatest blessing in disguise for a rookie, just to have it gifted. Latavius was signed to what a three-year, fifteen million dollar deal when he came over. And then they draft Dalvin Cook, and then here's Latavius, can't even get on the field. So he may be out of a job before he even has a chance to defend it. Hope you got some guaranteed money. Some. Yeah. Not. 15 Here's the one thing to remember with Dalvin Cook. More so in the pass protection, hopefully they've shorted it up a bit. Probably the worst offensive line in football, right? That's tough. Uh, and, and that's why Rookie Sam, plus terrible offense line It's like the which, in, invert of a, a Ezekiel and to put the, But the perfect quarterback to deal with that Sam Bradford last year What was it, 71% completion percentage yeah. Didn't throw anything downfield because he didn't have time yeah. But he got rid of the ball quick and hit guys Look, when you got Adam Thielen You got Stephon Diggs, you got Kyle Rudolph You got good options for these quick outs Now can Dalvin Cook actually be a player in the receiving game? I don't know He's a very good receiver He's a, he's a good receiver He's a very strong receiver. And he's a great blocker. He's a great great at picking up the block. They're they're saying he's been doing great, that he struggled with it in college. So they're saying he's picking up well. uh, But running backs being asked to block, like, it's overstated how much these guys are asked to block. Like, their pass protection doesn't matter. They're doing it like... 18 to 30% of the well, time. No, no, but here's what you have to worry about. You don't worry about as much as a guy like Dalvin Cook. 
I don't think you're worried about as much as got Dalvin Cook because he's out there on first and second down. It's Actually, that running back that's trying to get out there on third down or on second down for like the, the play action type stuff. Players that block more in pass protections are first and second down grinders than they are third down backs. Hmm. Now, here's the question, is, is, and he's even said so himself. But, McKinnon, but if you want to be a oh, – I'm sorry, go ahead. It's all good. Is McKinnon's like, hey, I'm not, I'm not rolling over here. I'm not giving up. Is he out of everyone's minds? Uh, you know, he is out of everyone's mental minds. Mental template. He should be, though. He the, problem be. Is, the problem is – That's what I'm wondering. Like, he's an explosive change of pace back. I don't know if he's anything else. He's never been a good touchdown scorer. He's never been a dynamic receiver for an extended period of time. But he's had games where he's been a good receiver. Like, his consistency level just hasn't been there. So right now, I'm going to go with Dalvin Cook, who's been consistent since the day he stepped on the field at Florida State. The only thing with Jared McKinnon is he's never had the right running back to be the perfect complement to. Maybe Dalvin Cook is the perfect complement for him. Because when he first came in, it was Adrian Peterson where, um, I'm sorry, it's only Adrian Peterson on the field. You're not getting on the field. And then Adrian Peterson's hurt. And, and then now all of a sudden you got forced into a role that you're not really... He was the compliment to Matt Asiata. Like, you can't be a better compliment than that guy? Well, no, because unfortunately... Like, if if that's a turd, he must look like gold. But that turd... Unfortunately, though, that he needs a better player than that turd so that he can actually work off of that player. Uh, Asiata was just pure So he needs to be the change of pace to a dynamic runner who can come in and, you know, pick up chunk yardage against... He needs to be that Danny Woodhead in the offense... But he needs to have that stalwart who's there first. Spencer Ware, uh, he's our 25th uh, running back in that tier six. Uh, again, this guy, I mean, it's just everyone's kind of on this hunt train. Uh, yeah, what did, what did Hunt do in the first preseason game? I don't know, what did he do? Not play with the first team offense at all like Spencer Ware did. Yeah. So, Spencer Ware, like, I've got Spencer Ware at 15th. Spencer Ware was awesome. He just wore down as the season went along. I don't think they're going to ask as much of him this season, but they're still going to give. They might not give him the 20, 25 carry games, but if he's in the eighteen to twenty touch range, that's where he's really going to be effective. And you know, we saw that improvement as a receiver. We know Kansas City loves to run the ball in the red zone. He's a guy that can score touchdowns. I'm a big fan of Spencer. I got Ware. Spencer Ware too low. I got him at 25, so I, I I got him too low. I've got him below guys that I would I would rather draft Spencer Ware than in my tiers. Yeah. So I gotta I gotta shore that up. So and, and I have Spencer Ware at 20, as, as I also kind of believe in this whole. When you think about not even the Kareem Hunt, what is Kansas City as a team? With Alex Smith now they're drafting all these other young guys, so you know that they're thinking about the future. But don't they still think, especially with their defense, that they have a chance to compete this year? Yes. So if yeah. they do, Kareem Hunt's not going to hit the field at least until they're out of it, or they they, don't, they disprove what they thought they were last year. Mm-hmm. So at that point, Spencer Ware's going to be getting the major workload, and you're going to sprinkle in a Kareem Hunt in the beginning. So same I think re- Kareem Hunt's a major improvement on, Char- on Charkandrick West. I agree with that. <laughs> I, I think he was. Is that saying much? No, no. no Charkandrick West. They needed a, sec- they needed Char- a second player, and they've always wanted. They've always been almost more than any other team out there, and I think that's where you were going with the Houdinis. They want a bell cow. They yes. like to have a Charkandrick runs the fuck out of the ball. Eric, Alex Smith does not throw interceptions. Run the ball. Play control. 
make them have to do extra stuff and our and our opportunistic defense takes over. That's how they win games. So that does not spell play a rookie at running back right away. Love it. Adrian Peterson's a 26, and Mike Gillisley is a 27. I'm cooling off on Gillisley a little bit from reading stuff and just thinking, I think Gillisley... Is it because he disappeared today? No, uh, he did. But he's he left it with AWOL. Really? Oh, brother. Oh, man. That's not good. And was that because Rex Burkhart, Burkhart got the uh, red zone uh, touches? No. He's well, good. he's got a hamstring injury right now, so he hasn't been playing. So, so maybe he wasn't going to... Soon he's MIA. It was even before that. It's like listening to a lot of experts that are like... Basically, the uh, people that are uh, the beat writers for the Patriots are like, Gillisley's going to have his. He's going to have... I think, it's, I think it's another one of the systems. I think Gillisley has five pretty solid games. I think he has 10, 11 total duds. I think Burkhead will have a few good games, and I definitely I think uh, White will have. There's just going to be like, what do we have? We know, we talked about it forever. Belichick is going to do the opposite. What do we need to do to win the game? We've got the weapons all around, especially with what Brady can sling the ball to. There's just going to be across all those specialty players besides Brady. It's going to be pick your poison week. It's yeah. going to change around. It's not only that, it's not even just pick your poison. It's they're going to have their own poison because the, the the point of what Belichick does is that he's he didn't bring in just one guy. You're you're anointed our new running back after Legarrette Blunt. That yeah. and Blunt when he got it was not the guy either. He had to like earn it over others. So everything for Belichick is very similar with what Pete Carroll does. It's competition. Let's create as much competition yeah. so that no one feels comfortable in their spot. And I'm Bill Belichick, so I will play all these guys. Yeah. No, it's true. Think about White. They give me a game last year besides the Super Bowl where White was all world. But he probably had to work so hard in practice just to, get, just to get a couple snaps, and then he got out there and then had the success. And then Bill was willing to go, I'll ride the hot hand. I mean, Mike Gillisley, I think once he's back on the practice field, will prove that he's the best back. The thing is, he makes he makes their team more dynamic. Mm-hmm. He's one of the better shotgun runners in the league, and now you're not running. You don't have to run under center plays because that's all fucking what Garrett Blunt can do. He can't run from the shotgun. He's goddamn awful. He has to run <laughs> behind a, a goddamn eye formation. Like he makes your he makes your offense predictable. Bill Bolchek has already said. Mike Gillisley, Rex Burkhead, they make us more dynamic. They make our offense more diverse. We can do now now do a multitude of things. That is great football strategy. Bill Belichick's a fucking master. Now, is he going to sometimes give it to Rex Burkhead in the red zone and keep him happy? Absolutely. Is he going to give it to Gillisley sometimes? Are they going to run direct snaps to James White that make you fucking pull your hair out when you start Mike Gillisley in DFS? Absolutely. He does. Belichick in his interviews has said many times, I don't give a shit about your fantasy football. <laughs> These are great football decisions. I don't care about where you drafted this guy and your needs for I him. I don't to score care. Through. Pay that man his money. Yes. <laughs> Sounds <laughs> like that. D- 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 on to the next one. On, on to the, the next, next one. one. Yeah, before we do, and we're going to get on to. Oh, we, we kind of. Let's just a quick AP. We kind of talked about him. AP. Well, we don't need to talk about him. We bundled him in. Let's see what happens with AP. Hopefully. The old man is ready to get another one. We'll see what happens. We, we, we talked about him with Ingram. So we're going to go to tier number seven. And before we do so, do us a favor. Help us keep the lights on around here and listen to our sponsors.
Maybe next year we'll be able to keep the AC on too. I <laughs> we kept the AC. Just say that. That's as hot as I thought it was going to be. Because we kept the AC on for the first 20 minutes of the Hello. show. There's going to be a hum at the first, and then all of a sudden it's going to be a lot clearer. Still trains out the wazoo. Um, all right, we're going to tier seven. Uh, this is running back 28, Bilal Powell. Um, should we just name off a couple guys, or you want to go one at a time? Well, uh, I'll, I'll, I'll just let's go. Let's quick go quickly. Quick blurb. Yeah. No, no counter. No yeah. counter. I recount got nothing to say. On I have a counter. Yeah, go. Well, you'll, well you can counter because no. I'll say first. Yeah, counter. I'm just, so, I'm just shut up for I got the love Powell uh, higher than anybody else. I got him at 24. Uh, I look at him and Matt Forte, and I just simply go, he's the guy. Um, I know that this is a bad offense. I know that they have a, a whole lot of, of turmoil going on, but he's also. Where he made his hay early in his career was as that third down back who was a receiver. So he'll be active in the passing game. He's going to goddamn have to be. I'm going to use your goddamn. Goddamn have to be in the goddamn passing game because they don't goddamn have any goddamn receivers. <laughs> Robbie Anderson, Darius Stewart. Uh, okay. Bilal Powell's the man. Go ahead. I still think Matt Forte is going to get more rushing work than you think. Me too. Um, when and he's also going to get receiving work. These guys could see like 150 combined running back targets. They might be both undervalued in fantasy football right now. One thing you look at—that's all the Jets have. Uh, but what, one thing you look at from Matt Forte: scored all the touchdowns early, got a huge, huge, huge workload early last season. They're not going to do that this season. They're going to split the carries up more evenly between these guys. Matt Forte might be the leader in carries, but he's not going to have 30 carry games like he did at the beginning of last season because that was fucking stupid. Um, along the lines of that, Bilal Powell, he's not great running from behind center, but he's great running out of the shotgun, so they're going to use that to his advantage. And same thing with Matt Forte. He is good out of the shotgun or under center, so his ability to run from different formations gives them a little bit of different you know, styles of football, and when you have a young quarterback like Christian Hackenberg, potentially, or a fucking decrepit old man who's been on more teams than, uh, who, who's Josh some, McCown. No, I'm trying to think, name a hoe bag who's been to more teams than um, Josh McCown. Um, uh, uh, is, is there a notorious yeah, Mark, NFL Mark, 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 uh, Mark the, our guy, our third stringer. Mark Sanchez? Yeah, Mark, yeah he, he McCown's was, got way more yeah, teams than him. Way more. I'm, I'm trying to think back in the past. Is there anyone that was just like a... Is there a girl there? back in the past who used to sleep with every NFLer? Dave Craig? He was he bounced right after Seattle. There's a girl a that I used to sleep with. All, the, plenty of girls that I used to sleep with when I, back in the day. So, but, it already banged all my friends. <laughs> I don't care about sleeping. But, but here, here's my question. Though. Here's where I think Bilal Powell does turn on the head. Is If you're right, that he's better on a, on a shotgun, so they start with Matt Forte. Matt Forte gets those first series good. Let him get the fresh defense, and then Bilal cleans up. Well, I'm going to just refer a little bit to the heartbeat. Did uh, the gold digger pieces for quarterback, running back, wide receiver, tight end. And I'm just going to say he brought up the fact that uh, from, a, from a Forte standpoint, he's been able to, and this is from uh, Pro Football Focus, he's been able to do, as his career has gone on, do more with less. So obviously his carries and his opportunities are going to come down. But maybe he's one of those guys that needs that at this age and can do more with that. But I'm going to read uh, Bilal Powell's um, little, little excerpt on our uh, gold diggers running back 
for running backs. Check it out on pyromaniac.com. From week ten on la- from week ten on last year, Bilal Powell can say one thing that no other man can say. Palau Powell. <laughs> I joined them together. Uh, Powell was the only running back to force more missed tackles than Le'Veon Bell with nine on his 29 catches. In the same time period, uh, Powell averaged 3.24 yards after contact, and despite his limited workload, he forced four more missed tackles than the Cowboys' workhorse, Zeke Elliott. He also beat out former teammate Matt Forte. Hold on, shut up. With the eighth best overall ranking and sixth best running back grade compared to 14th, 22nd, and 18th, respectively. All right, so those are just kind of just trying to show some of our content. Houdini, what you're doing? Some I was doing Ezekiel Elliott never had to get tackled. He hardly had the yards after contact because they were tackling him in the end zone. Got it. I thought you. <laughs> that was the line opening up a huge hole of, for a, a semi truck to drive through. True. All right, let's move on to uh, the next guy. That was guy. not a derogatory statement about what you were doing. It was just Ezekiel line. Frank Gore is the 29th running back in uh, tier number seven. Uh, right behind him is Terrence West. After him is Samaj Perine. Let's kind of talk about those guys. Gore, you still think you've got it in the tank? I'll just give you my quick three, and then he can yep. finish it up. So quickly with Gore, Marlon Mack is a guy who's potential to, to take – carries away from him. Not going to happen early. Frank Gore is going to be the person they're going to lean on now, especially if Andrew Luck is not playing and it's, and it's Tolzien. The thing is with Tolzien, if he's starting, I don't want anything to do with yeah. him. Cool, this is 100% correct. You know, they all go to shit if yeah. Tolzien's yeah. starting. But, but if they do, they're not going to be throwing Marlon Mack out there at all. It's going to be a, a heavy dose of uh, Frank Gore. The thing they're is, going to use Frank Gore to kind of Take pressure off of Tulsi. Let me just say this quickly about that. Uh, I, I want to get a Mac comment. Mac yeah. okay, just go ahead, got go ahead, his go first carries with the second team today. Before that, he had been all third and fourth team behind Robert Turbin. Robert Turbin's a guy they expect to be more involved this year. He got involved late in the season as the red zone back and as a little bit of the third down back, brought a little bit more dynamicism than Frank Gore. So he's a guy who could also be involved. I don't think Frank Gore is going to just go through another season healthy, get the carries he got last year. I think he's going to be a little bit more limited into more of – he finished his RB12. Mm-hmm. I think he's going to be more limited into, like, Crazy. the back and, you know, RB2. Which is still very solid. I and mean, we're talking about getting him well beyond that value anyway. But I also think if he's Andrew, just not sexy. Andrew Luck is missing games, I don't think he can start him. But, you know, here's one thing that you can put to his benefit – he was putting up good numbers with shitty San Francisco teams uh, back in the day too, but he is a lot older now. So, yeah, there's this India, Indianapolis Colts for me. Ooh, I think everyone came down substantially in my last round of tears. Terrence West, go D- for it. Discount Isaiah Crowell. Yeah, we were already talking about Terrence West. There's no competition there for him. Danny Woodhead does different things. Danny Woodhead is not going to take away those primary rushes and become all of a sudden a three-down back. I also don't think Danny Woodhead's going to get as many red zone touches as he got as with part New of the Chargers. Oh, or, or with uh, New England. Too. Look at the number of games Danny Woodhead's played in like the last three or four years, too. This yeah, he's been, he's been he's just, How old's Danny Woodhead, too? Yeah, he's yeah. in his 30s. Yep. Now let's talk about Samaje. Because Samaje... Samaje's falling a little bit. Yeah, disappointment in his uh, first preseason not, game. Not, Can't not. put the ball on the turf, especially when you play for Jay Gruden. 
I mean, Matt Jones is still the best running back there, but he has no trust in that guy. Do I have Do I have to worry like this is going to be another David Wilson? Uh, wasn't that the dude that uh, yeah. from, from the well, Giants? He, that, he, was, that, he was puny though. But yeah, yes. but he was supposed to be awesome. He had that like, one great run, and his first carry, his second carry, fumble. It's like, you never heard from him never again. Heard from again. Like, didn't he hurt his yeah, back? He or his back. Neck. Yeah, no, but, but it was first the fumble, then he was benched for it, then he came back, and then he broke his back. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Come on! Samaje isn't a notorious fumbler in college, so I think that's something he'll correct. Uh, he's just... I think his biceps are too big that he has trouble holding on to the football. But the other problem is when you fumble this early... There's not enough it gets in your head. reps. Also, there's not enough reps for you to get in game time that are going to allow you to kind of get over it. And man, it's just if something gets in your head as a rookie, it's, it's sometimes it's it's hard to break. Almost Rob Kelly should be closer to ahead right now. Yeah. Yeah. And Rob, moving I mean, on up. I mean, I'm still going to have Samaje ahead of Robert Kelly just because I'm more of a believer in the player that is Samaje P. Ryan. Um, and when, I, when Ryan, it comes, Ryan, we Ryan. When it comes down to that sort of difference, I'm gonna take the guy I think's more talented. Yeah. Sure. Even though he might not get it for the first couple of weeks, so and no, that's great. He could be dropped. That's great. I, I hope, yeah. <laughs> I hope. I hope that Sumaje isn't. Well, that's not true. I hope he is the week one starter and, and lives it and breathes it and, and realizes it and never looks back. But at the same time, I'm totally fine drafting him where he's going and having him be the guy that's just like they're all of a sudden realizing like what are no one's worried about this 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 fat Rob. Uh, let's just give him more and more. And as the season goes on, he's getting more and more percentage. Sometimes it's better to kind of get marinated more before you cut out, right? Yeah, and sometimes it's better to kind of have other things be exposed. So now, Unless you're Fournette. No, no, because you well, think, about this, think about this too as a rookie. Just think about this from the the standpoint you have 16 games in a season. You have a very limited amount of, of time in order to make an impression. It's not like baseball where you can play 162 games and you can come in, you can be like the White Sox, Juan Moncada went four for his first 44. Okay, was absolutely atrocious, but then all of a sudden starts hitting the ball like crazy and everything's forgotten about. <laughs> when you bring, if you put Samaje Perrine as the number one running back, in week one, and he struggles. Now you have all of the fandom on his ass, it's my, it's my and, it's, it, and, he, and now he's more destined to fail. If you are able to keep him away from that and let Fat Rob struggle and let that guy take all the heat, <laughs> then all of a sudden, the guy who you're more invested in, who as an organization yeah. you feel has a better opportunity to be your guy down the road, then you bring him in where he then becomes... Oh my God! Even just by relative comparison, he looks great. Even if he's not great, but you give that guy a chance to gain confidence. I like it. I like everything you said. Did they give Matt Jones any any carries in the game? Uh, I don't recall. Jesus. All right, let's move on to um, the next guy, and that's Derrick Henry. We spoke about him a bunch, so I think we can kind of. I don't think there's anything about him. We don't need to say anything about him. We talked about him. Um, I think if you're drafting him as one of the first backups, you're doing it right. When you're drafting him ahead of starters, mm-hmm. I think that's a negative value play. Cool, I love it. Uh, and where do we all have? So I mean, so oh, and I have him. I have him kind of. I thought I'm, I'm the highest of everyone that's rational. Uh, Archer has him at 16. Yeah, 40, 40, 35, 16, 38. I'm gonna have to start weighing people with rankings. Holy crap! The players 31 through 35 are all tied. An average of 33.8. That's crazy. 
So let's list all these players here. So that's cool. We already talked a couple of them. Jonathan Stewart, Paul Perkins, PP, and Legarrette Blunt. So Jonathan Stewart, we've talked about you know how we think he's still going to get carries. Is it going to be 180? Is it going to be 220? Is he going to still stay healthy because he has a guy who can legitimately back him up and they're not going to give him 24 carries a game? Top 10 running back, ten dollars. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna be so happy when I get that one dollar. I'm gonna be fucking excited <laughs> for it. Oh, I'm gonna do. I'm gonna do an Irish jig and a, and a, and a horror dance. I'm gonna. I'm gonna get. I'm gonna get a couple more people. We're gonna put you on a chair and I'm gonna lift you up for my ten bucks. <laughs> you better fucking watch your back. <laughs> <laughs> you better watch you get dropped. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm worried about. Uh, so Stewart, if they really do pull back on Cam Newton's red zone carries. I think he could be a guy who's borderline eight to ten touchdowns when he get last year eight. Yeah. Uh, so if he's the bigger back towards the red zone now, that could be good for him if Cam Newton's not running as much. But I still think he's going to have enough value. Uh, Paul Perk, Paul Perkins, I, I like it. I-, I have question marks. Like he looks like he's got all the opportunity in the world. And that's he has, what's great. He has all the opportunity. He has all the protection in the offense. In the world. He doesn't have to be the greatest. Right. But he's they, got big tight ends, big fucking wide receivers, well, big one problem. wide receivers. One big problem. Offensive line. Not even that. Eric can, can you score a touchdown? Can, that's the thing. That, cause, but he's likely, like, of, of these guys we talked about, are they likely to get red zone carries? Are they likely to get catches? At least with Paul Perkins, he's likely to at least get the first shot. At red zone carries. I, I kind of look at him as a guy, okay, so he's had no touchdowns, right? And, but if you look at it, I can honestly make the case, yes, Wayne Goldman could be the goal back, But he's a I can make a case that he could easily, and again, we're talking about you're drafting him further down the road here, four to seven touchdowns at the high end. But four touchdowns. He can give you four touchdowns. He's got to be able to give you a touchdown every four weeks. Yeah, yeah. I don't disagree with that. He better, but you're starting running back. You got to be able to get in the end zone. Shane Vereen, they're saying this is the guy most likely to lead the running backs in snaps. They're saying he's the guy. That's and, how, and when does that ever happen for Shane, where he's been able to stay on the field? So he's led. He's led running backs in snaps. He just hasn't ever had more than 100 carries. Never the leading carries. Yes, but he could be the guy who plays the most, yeah. and yeah. that 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 could matter if they're splitting. Pretty much between Shane Vereen and Paul Perkins, that's going to limit the upside a little bit. But at this point in the draft, what's his actual ADP? Because I think he could be a little bit of a value because he's a guy who could actually see those red zone carries. I love I love the point, and I completely agree. One thing, know your league. I think know your team. And I think McAdoo might just be like, they might just be slanging this thing and be like, you know what? We are a run-and-shoot friggin' team. We just are not really going to... It's not going to be too much run. That's, that's what they've been doing. Yeah, they've been oh, doing it. And then that, look what they added to the mix. You had Marshall and Ingram. Like, it might just be like, we might break the record for the least amount of carries ever. I know I wasn't on the quarterback show, but he's on the sleepers, is Eli Manning. Like, with all that weaponry, and again, without a legitimate red zone hammer... That's more potential touchdowns for him to be throwing the ball, whether it be to Odell Beckham, whether it be to Brandon Marshall. Because if you say, well, we're only going to give the running backs total 10 touchdowns on the season, right? Which might even be on the high end. Correct. Between between all the running backs. Well, 
who's to say that 40 touchdowns are going to be not going to be thrown because Eli can do that. Uh, it never has before. He never has. All right, this is a different makeup, but also he's older. We'll see. But I agree. I think this is like a this is like a pass first out the wazoo team, and I think we all agree where. The thing is, Eli's high in touchdowns was two years ago with 35. Mm. Before that, he's had 31, and that's it. Yeah. So he's had two seasons of over 30 touchdowns, or. He's had one at 30, excuse me. Has he so, had, but he's, had, he's had pretty good running backs there, right? Uh, anyway, let's not get into an Eli Manning conversation. Exactly. I test him scratching his head walking off the sideline after he throws an interception. <laughs> That's what I think of with Eli Manning. Um, look, and two Super Bowl wins against Tom Brady. Uh, LeGarrette, oh. oh, it hurt me. I lost a lot of money on both those games. That's going to suck so much when Eli Manning gets into the goddamn Hall of Fame. I agree with you. Um, he's gonna, it's going to happen. LeGarrette, Bye, guys. Fans, Garrett <laughs> Blunt. <laughs> See now you're losing. You're now you're pushing our fans away. I thought it was only me. Hey. I'm proud. I'm proud of you, Anthony. I talk crap about football. Let's go to Garrett Blunt. Garrett Blunt. It's interesting with Garrett Blunt because I'm I'm the most down on. Well, no, second the most down on him. Although I think I want to start increasing maybe a little bit more now with. The fact that it's no longer Jordan Matthews there, and so now it's basically just Elshon Jeffrey and everything else. So maybe they're going to lean more on really trying to take some pressure off of uh, Carson Wentz by letting him have that hammer that is LeGarrette Blunt um, when they get in the red zone. One thing that we know is yes, Elshon Jeffrey's been a get up and go up and get a guy, a, 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 a Guagi, but he's not a go up and get it guy when it comes to just at the two or three yard line. He's never been that that player that the Bears were able to effectively throw that fade pass to. So, or or one thing for Legarrette is he a good blocker? No, not 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 Legarrette. Um, Jeffrey, you know, is he going to be able to help Legarrette? Here's the question. Here's what I think happens with Legarrette Blunt. He's either going to be pretty good or suck balls. I don't think there's ever, there's no, I mean, he's just 100% a regression guy. No, no way he repeats it's what he's 100% done. 100% regression because 18 there's touchdowns, no, there's, yeah, there's, there's no zero. way to go but, but down. He's a regression and, guy. And the offense that you're going from in New England to the offense in Philadelphia is not the same thing. I, I agree, but he might, he might have no competition. That's the only well, he thing. he doesn't okay. really. But, like, Philadelphia's offense is not the same as New Orleans's, or is not the same as New England's offense. The Patriots sort of scaled their offense to run from the I formation and run from either single back sets behind under center. LeGarrette Blunt has 97 career carries. He's been in the league for, what, eight years now? He has 97 career carries from the shotgun. He's averaged 3.9 yards per carry on those. From under center, much more effective runner. But you're literally changing the offense to that. And along with that, the Eagles spent 13% more time in shotgun than the Patriots last season. So, you're, you have to basically change. Like, think of Alex Smith and think of Donovan McNabb. How often were those guys under center? 
Well, it's also, but think about it because Carson Wentz was a rookie quarterback. You're going to keep him more in shotgun where he can actually he, see the he, defense he, a little bit better. In college, he was all he was, was basically ninety five percent in shotgun. No, he was a pro style system. But I'm seen. pretty sure when he no no he's no no actually no right he was a pro style system. But I think they were trying to give him help to read the defenses. So yeah. there is a potential though that he could become more than under center quarterback. That, but that's the West. No, that's the West Coast system. Let's remember. West Coast system, quick passing out of shotgun sets. It's not all shotgun sets, but a lot of it is. Like, this is a guy who will have to change or be better in the receiving game. Or be no, better. That's not going to happen. <laughs> yeah, or be better running from the shotgun, which I don't think he can be. I just did a search for uh, shotgun Wentz College, and it goes. Carson Wentz takes his offensive lineman hunting and buys them all shotguns. <laughs> <laughs> all right, there you go. That solves that. That solves that debate. Saturday. We'd like to move to another table, away from those two gentlemen. Why have they been disturbing you? No, it's just that. Well, frankly, they're offensive. Smelling. I mean, they smell bad. I do smell bad. <laughs> Before we talk about the deodorant that I didn't use today, let's do me a favor and Houdini a favor and Stag Party and Pyro General and listen to this. 20 cents. Alright, we're moving on past LeGarrette Blount. Force object and going into tier number eight. We got four guys in this one. I think we can kind of breeze through these guys and actually we're going to impress ourselves and we're going to get to 50 running backs on this show. I like it. Stag Party likes it. Deanie's all down. I like 47 more. Fine. 40, <laughs> 47. Done. I like Heinz 57 varieties. Oh, myself. I love, I've got some in there. I love that shit. So, so good. Matt, Matt Forte, we just sort of discussed extensively when we discussed Bilal yeah. Powell. You know, we think he might be undervalued as well. You can get Matt Forte pretty late yes. in drafts. It well, looks he, pretty good. He's a guy who could fill in for you as an RB2. Because you know what he is? He's that solid veteran who he's has done it all before, here. but even in a limited role, as you said, he does, he does a lot with his limited touches. And it sucks that it's, it's, it's on the Jets. But um, look, they got nobody else to get the ball to to get any offense out of. Next, thirty-one. Next, next, Darren McFadden. He did not look so hot the other day. He hasn't um, looked hot at all in the preseason. Yeah. So, what's your thoughts? Here's something, and this is something I talked about with uh, Christopher Harris. I asked him who his favorite last pick of the draft was. He's like Alfred Morris. Well, I wouldn't because Alfred's a guy who's always worked hard for the money. You worked so hard for it, honey. Houdini's got some uh, jazzercise leggings on right now. Absolutely, I, I'm, I'm doing. I'm getting my uh, my Olivia Newton John on or uh, Pat Benatar, whatever. Yeah, not Pat Benatar. Who's that? Probably one of the. First I don't know. Whatever. <laughs> uh, but McFadden, I, I don't really want to buy into. Do I want to? How how much do I want to pay up for the guy who's going to be there while Ezekiel Elliott's suspended? And. We, do we really know when Ezekiel Elliott suspended? We all moved Darren McFadden up in our ranks once we found out that Ezekiel Elliott had the suspension going down. So um, it's more of a, uh, a matter of circumstance than it is a matter of belief. And it's, yeah, and it's re- reactionary. 
it's hot news. We're kind of like, we gotta get the draft kit out. Like, give me the. And all of a sudden, you know, kind of. 25 things happen in like. If we get a week man. more to do, think about it. We and, and watch a little more McFadden and consider it. But all of a sudden, it was a little knee jerk, just in all honesty. Wouldn't you agree? We just kind of had no. it like. I mean, just because we've seen Darren McFadden as the centerpiece of the Cowboys' offense. Rushing the ball before behind a pretty similar yeah, offensive thousand, line. He had a thousand, had a thousand yards. yards. He averaged four and a half yards a clip. He scored some touchdowns. He caught some passes. They've been saying that they plan. the The thing is, is your ranking of Darren McFadden should depend on how much you think the Cowboys will go running back by committee without Zeke. Will they go sixty percent McFadden? Where they go 75%, 80% McFadden, and just mix the other guys in as change of pace. But if McFadden's getting 50% of the carries, he's not nearly as valuable as you think. But these names we're listing, uh, for pretty much from here on, they're all question marks, and they're all projections, or these guys getting a little bit more work as the season goes on, and things along those lines. So at least with Darren McFadden, you know you're going to get some startable weeks out of him. Uh, and, and if you think he could be an RB2 for those six weeks in which he's the starter, that has value. And that's the no value question. we have him at. No question. And if he doesn't hit those, it's going gonna, it's gonna to go from question marks to skid marks. Absolutely. <laughs> the thing is, I the also... Kind of, the kind of skid marks in your underwear. The thing but, is, if you're trying to bet between who's going to be, you know, if you're, you're saying, okay, I want to bet on Al- Alfred Morris, and then you're betting on a failure in order for things to happen... It's not a. That's not a successful. Remember, case. Alfred Morris wasn't even fucking active at the end of the season when Darren McFadden came back. Right. So he he held his jack, um, and that that's all there is to say about it. But Alfred Morris this preseason has looked like a more dynamic runner. Like there's no doubt about it. Um, Rod Smith has looked better than fucking Darren McFadden. So well, the one thing that has always been true, Darren McFadden's been a guy who was gifted with ability. Alfred Morris is a guy who is gifted with ethic and work and drive. So either you have that or you don't. Either you're a hard worker or you're not. And so hard workers who may fall down, they, they can build themselves back up. That's why Alfred Morris is there. Uh, Darren McFadden, unfortunately, I just, we, with all the, went from run DM, uh, DMC um, to run DMP. DMP, so did not play because he did, always got hurt. Yeah. All right, let's go. I agree. Let's go on to Kareem Hunt. We talked about him a bunch. If anyone wants to sprinkle something in, it's going to be special where. Yeah, he's a rookie. Oh, yeah, he'll get his chances late. They people are hot on him. Who knows? Kareem Hunt's heartbeat's really high on him. He thinks he's one of the best rookie running backs. Pro Football Focus loved his college tape. He rated real highly. Missed the the best. They had him rated as the best running back coming into the district. All right. Nothing's gonna ever keep you down. Valverde. Valverde. How much for the little girl? The women. How much for the women? What? Your women. I, I, I want to buy your women, the little girl, your daughters. Sell them to me. Sell me your children. Mayor D. Mayor D. By the way, you just were singing uh, a song from Karate Kid. You hear yes. that? The Karate Kid. Netflix, there's going to be a new series with Ralph Macchio and whatever the other guy, Bubka or whatever. Uh, They're uh, doing a, a, a. Zabka. Zabka. They're doing Netflix re bringing back Karate Kid as a series with those guys. 
Like, so they're going to be like 25 years later. These guys, I don't know if they're We still live in the same area and our kids are fighting each other in the ring. I don't know what it is, but it's 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 true. This is real. Nice. Uh, <laughs> Billy, Billy Zapka running me, uh, uh, Cobra Kai. And uh, Ralph Macchio running uh, Miyagi-Do. Wax on. Miyagi-Do. It's Miyagi-Do. <laughs> Doug Martin. Eh. <laughs> the thing is, I, I'm not sold on Doug Martin coming Every back and being, on being the starting running back as soon as it happens. I think they'll mix in all these guys that they now have. They need to see what they have from a guy like Jeremy McNichols. They need to see if Charles Sims is part of the long-term answer. They need to see who Doug Martin is. So I think they're going to give all well, these guys touches early, and then when Doug comes back in week four... He could be, or if one of these guys really shines, this position's up for grabs. So here's a question I have oh, for you, no because problem. I look I look at this team, they're loaded now, with the, bringing in Deshaun Jackson, O.J. Howard, who is now basically taking over the number one spot at the tight end. Uh, with no. Mike, no. O.J. Tra- Howard's a designated blocker. Well, whatever, but they've got, he's got new yes, power Yes, they've weapons. got weapons. Okay, Mike Evans, you got all these, all these different players. You're also going to have it's going to be Jaquiz Rogers, who's never been a person who's been able a, a player who's been able to handle the load as a number one running back. You have you Charles that, Sims, you have Jeremy, you, you have all these you have all these different players. You're going to be doing sharing the load. So when Martin comes back, I don't back, want to share the they, load and talk about Jaquiz in my face. <laughs> well, unfortunately, you are because you're in Tampa Bay. Hooters. Here's so, here's, okay, go on. So, so the point is, is when Martin comes back, is he all of a sudden going to get the lion's share of carries, or is he going to have to kind of get worked in like all these other guys are going to be working in? Doug Martin, right now, with all these question marks we're, we're talking about, is the most overdrafted running back in fantasy football. What's he drafted at? Um... 25th. Whoa! Fifth round, seventh pick. What? Ahead of Abdullah. Ahead no. of Ingram. What? Perkins, Lacey, Powell, no. No. Henry, Coleman, Gore. Me? Wes, he is literally the most overdrafted and he's running back three. in three, three games. He's the to most start. overdrafted running back in fantasy I mean, he's football. missing 22.5% of your fantasy season. Stay away unless, 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 he's, unless he falls... Time. Big time, but I agree with Snack Party. Once he comes back, they have no loyalty. They actually kind of hate his guts right now. They want every time he does things good and he looks good, he's working hard. They give him that little carrot. You know, he's doing everything. He's he's, he's putting forth the, the the right foot. We like what he's up to, but they fucking hate this guy. He quit on him right at the wrong time last year and. They're basically just like, what are they going to do? They're going to trade him and get anything for him? No. Is he that expensive? No. It's just kind of like they have to play him. He's Trub City. I think this could be another team in the same vein as the New York Giants. Could just be a passing the hell out of it kind of team. Unless McNichols can show that he's I just, I just don't agree that they're going to be a pass-heavy team. I, we've talked about this before, but yeah. who's going to run this? It ball? doesn't matter. They had they had Jaquiz Rogers carrying the ball twenty five times like, a game. I, I li- okay, I like Jaquiz more than most. I, I, okay, let's let's move on to tier nine. Let's move on to Duke Johnson, who we talked about a little bit. You know, playing sort of a hybrid running back receiver role in PPR. That means good times in standard. You know, you're hoping he sort of replicates the seasons he's had, but even then. 
in the standard leagues, you don't feel confident slotting Duke Johnson into your lineup. In PPR, the story changes a little bit. Like, he might get you 10 to 12 points. But in standard leagues, the upside is just not there. He's not going to be a touchdown machine. He's never going to be a guy who carries the load. If Isaiah Crowell were to go down, how, how many times, all of those things are major concerns. How many times is he actually giving you? He's one of those guys that's kind of a – he's a decent player, right? Because he fits into a role because of where his stats end up. He's a better his football sta- player than sta- he is for your fantasy. But where his stats end up, he doesn't give you the high-end games. He doesn't give you the 150, 130, 120-yard total combined, right? You, you're barely getting those. You're getting the, the 60 yards, 70 yards, and, and the catches if it's PPR. You're getting – in, in minimal touchdown production, as you say. So, on a bad team, as a receiving threat, you would hope it would be better than that. And unfortunately, he is what he is. He's a good football player. If he was on a better team, he would have a lot more fantasy potential value. On this team, it's really not that high. Well, he's absolutely the opposite of a touchdown guy. Um, as a rushing player, he's only heading into his third year. <laughs> Take a guess how many rushing touchdowns this guy has. Two, he's right? Got, he's got one. one. He's got more receiving touchdowns. So, but touching. they're not impressive. So, okay, so that's one in two years of rushing touchdowns. How many touchdowns do you think he's got receiving? Four. Two. It's two. How many do you think of those two were last year? One. Zero. Oh. So last year he had one. He played in every game. One touchdown. And this guy had one touchdown rushing and receiving. Like, he's Danny Woodhead without touchdown upside. I like why, why are people? He only plays within the twenties. Well, yeah. I mean, because he's not a red zone player. Right. Like, Duke Johnson is Danny Woodhead without touchdown upside. But also, like, this is a guy on the Browns. At least we know that. Danny Woodhead's on. Like, why do we have him ranked? Why do we have Danny Woodhead so low? Yeah, I, 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 I'm pretty sure I got Duke Johnson pretty low. But let's let's be honest. Is Duke Johnson at this point a wide receiver? You have Duke Johnson. You think you're pretty sure you have him? Low? I have higher than me. <laughs> Fuck's sake. <laughs> Thirty-two. Thirty-two. Well, heartbeat's got him at thirty-one. So. Man, he's going to be 46, I got him at 45. I'm, I'm, I'm an idiot. I feel... <laughs> okay. you know why, this is why I do these shows, guys. <laughs> the, the, so, my last tiers are better than my I third tiers. Put Duke Johnson next to these notes. <laughs> <laughs> so, I got him at 31 on that shitbox team. Douchey. Go ahead. I hate myself. I mean, Duke Johnson, like... Just took know. a Duke on my tiers. <laughs> he's, he's just... The only Duke Johnson I like is when I'm going anal. What? <laughs> okay. Uh, <laughs> let's go with Latavius Murray. Latavius Murray, <laughs> I'm going to keep moving him down until he gets on the fucking field. Yeah. But he could have some upside as the red zone runner, maybe as a third down back, pass protector. You know, maybe he fills in more of a change of pace role, bigger than we think. But right now he's got to get on the field. Next guy. 
I hate myself for that so dude Johnson, 32. I'm really upset, Brett. I'm upset. <laughs> I want to come I'm going to punch this. I'm going to print this tears out, and I'm going to bowl the Duke Johnson. I'm going to punch it. <laughs> you get some darts or something? Yeah, darts would be good. I don't have them, so I'm just going to punch it. So what's interesting to me is the next guy is Jeremy Hill. And where I was super high on Mixon, and you guys were all lower on Mixon, yet when it comes to Jeremy Hill... And to uh, you guys have him so far down, so he's at like uh, at 42. Giovanni Bernard between you guys, you're all between like 46 and 55 between the two of those guys. So you guys all have like those two guys rated like almost identically. Remember when Stags? Remember when Stags last year was saying everybody eats? That's what I'm feeling. Everybody eats on that team. Yeah. So it's just interesting to me because. I'm the person that's highest on him, and I still have Jeremy higher than all of you guys. So it's because pick a fucking lane. No, I'm not picking Jeremy Hill. Jeremy Jeremy Hill's at 37 for crying out loud. But he's going to get touchdowns, and touchdowns will give you points in fantasy. You know, a a, a touchdown that's worth seven points is is, is 70 yards rushing. So even if he he gets, he comes down. Where do you have him? I've got Mixon at like 23. I've got him at 22. Okay. I think we all, I mean, let's be honest. We all like Mixon if we've got him. No, no, I'm just saying in the comparison of what you guys have all of the running backs also rated. You're a big fan of So then it almost seems like you guys don't think that they're going to be a big running team. Well, you know I love a Dalton. I think that this is what they do. They usually run the ball more than anything else. It's AJ Green and running the ball. But now they got Ross, who I think is going to be fucking... Yeah, you're going to count on a rookie in his first year? I, as as to, to be a, a great component, and yes, I am. I, he's a sick route runner. He can take the top off. More it. than 700 I, yards. Yes. Oh, yeah. I think he's getting more than That's rough. I don't think so. I think I think he is a great football I think he'll player. give you some splashes, but I think he gives you about 550 yards. He's not yards. just like a he's gonna give you, guy He's going to give you like a one dynamic game. He's going he's gonna to give you some sparks here. Yeah, hey, I'm not saying he's going to be the model of consistency. No, I, I'm, not, I'm not saying that either. I, I, 700 yards is not the model of consistency. There you go. Okay, so but I think he can have a couple big games. And I think with that speed and the way that he can cut on a dime, people are going to have to give him the respect, the defensive backs. You're going to have to like – Give him that cushion, and he's just gonna stop on a dime and get a 15-yard uh, hook. I, I, I just, I, I like him. Anyway, right. let's go back to running backs. Um, let's go. Let's move on from those. I'm sorry, I'm getting lost. Theo Riddick. Riddick. Theo Riddick. We talked about Theo. I love Theo because he scores touchdowns. Because because he makes. He's a. He scores uh, receiving touchdowns. That's what, well, no, no, I'm not talking about rushing touchdowns. He scores touchdowns. Yeah, he's PPR. He, but, fine, but in the red zone, he's still a guy they keep on the field because of what he creates the mismatch against the defense because he gets put against a linebacker. And a linebacker cannot keep with him when he makes a cut. How many touchdowns receiving does Theoretic have in the last three years? 12? Yes. Uh, Look at that. Without even looking at it. That's pretty He's been on my good. fantasy team. He's been on my fantasy team for it's the last three years. years. Hold yep. on one second. Here's here's what I will say. I'll also just say top scoring. Riddick last year, 25th in 10 games. And, and this, is P, this is PPR. Yeah, and he was. Theo Riddick uh, two years ago. Last year was really dynamic. He was really on Yeah, he was great until last he, year. Until he went down. He was, he was so it was wrists, yeah. It, it was like almost a touchdown a week, and it was like you were getting... Oh, Riddick, 18th two years ago. What was his average points per game, though, last year? Because it... 
That was like... 10, 7. 10, 9. 10, uh, 9 in for standard. That's standard. So PPR here is like 14 points. It was sick. Riddick in PPR, much higher. Like, so we're talking toward... He's one of those jumpers. He's one of those big jumpers, like 15 to 20 spots in your yeah. ranks. Yeah. Uh, that's all I really got. And if Amir Abdullah struggles a little bit, hey, Theo Riddick's probably more likely to get... Yo, eight carries a game. As has been explained to me, no, he can't run inside. He's two pounds less than Amir Abdullah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right, next. All right, next. Robert Kelly, Fat Kelly, Fat Rob. We talked about him he too. He's he's just a guy, but right now he's just a guy with the starting fucking running back job. <laughs> yeah, what's 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 the annotation for that? Just a guy. Jag on the spot. Jag. A fat guy with a spot. Jag, Jag with the starting spot? Jaguars? Oh, Jaguars! Jaguars, <laughs> alright. Jaguars, Kelly. The team already called the Jaguars. <laughs> <laughs> alright, Danny Woodhead is now sitting here at 45 in tier 9. Wow, I'm surprised after everything that you guys were saying about him. I have him. We need to move. I, I think collectively we need to move Robert Kelly up. Like, Robert Kelly needs to be ahead of guys like Kareem Hunt, Doug Martin. Um, we need to move Duke Johnson down. I mean, that's all we need. Murray I, I, down. I, I, Danny Woodhead, we got to, I think, needs to go up, even in standard. But here's my worry about Woodhead. It's just look at look at his games played. It's just he's not. He, he sure, you don't think he's going to be healthier or he's not. But when he's he is 31, healthy, he played 16. I know. I, so it's almost, like kind of, it's almost if you're putting it here from a, I'm betting on what you're going to do on the whole season. It's probably a good hedge to put him around 42, 41. The thing is, when he's healthy, he's going to score what? 10, no, not, 10, yeah, 10 he's going to be he's going to be a top 25 running back. That's what he always is. In there, when he's in there, he's he's swimwear, but swimwear. Like, what? Like, and he's super. Like, All right, well, let's really talk about these. We want to get through 50, so let's talk about these next four because these next four are a lot more interesting than all these other guys that we've been talking about. Mm-hmm. So, the last four that we're looking at here, we're talking about CJ Procise, James White, Marlon Mack, Joe Williams, I'm sorry, five guys, and, uh, and Thomas Rawls. And we mentioned Rawls a little bit. I think we can even go to the next two and go, this is into tier and 10. Quiz and, uh, and, and Jaquiz, Jamal Williams, maybe not, I'm not, uh, and Deva- Deontay Fre- Foreman. Let's talk about, let's just go, let's just let's call, call all those guys right now and call, call, sh- call right. this show and stay. We went to 53. Boo. Yes, yeah, next time we weren't going to get to 40. I know. We did it. All right, let's go. What do you. Uh, Procise. There's no reason to think if this guy can't stay healthy. Fat Eddie Lacy, isn't that great? There's this no guy could be dope as hell. Who's the, other, who's the other running back in that room that can catch passes out of the backfield like CJ Procise? Nobody. Nobody. You have Lacy and Rawls who are going to compete for that one spot. Yeah. He has that three spot locked up, and if he and if Lacey gets fat and 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 fades off, the only up, the only thing for for Procise is upside. There is no downside. He has a, a, this role already in his niche card, carved out. If somebody starts struggling, hey, we're looking for some other person to give us a spark. He'll get the chance. And I think that also goes to the wide receiver position. Tyler Lockett. Doesn't turn it around, or is it banged up, or just doesn't? Procise is he any different? Is he any worse 
than a Tyler Lockett, a wide receiver? Maybe not. And why can't you use him as a running back out as who then releases always into a wide receiver role? Exactly. Paul Richardson had some great signs last year and it's what third, fourth year, but this guy's slight as hell. He can be banged up any. The pro size could be used in a lot of ways where he's a wide receiver to complement kind of a shortcoming a wide receiver as a team. Guys, bring something back since you brought up Paul Richardson. I can remember more memorable Paul Richardson plays than I can Carlos Hyde. And who's made more? Who's been around and made a lot more plays in their career? Paul Paul Richardson. You're talking, but he's a wide receiver. I don't so care. I'm talking about memorable plays for sure. That anything I can remember, there's like one or two. Week like one was Hyde's last year. Memorable. But Richardson had those. It's it's it may only be like five catches that I remember, but I remember five of Paul Richardson catches because it was ridiculous. Yeah, he had he had some good plays last anyway, year. Anyway, no question. All right, moving on. Uh, do you got anything on pro size? Nah, I like him. I, I think he's a guy that needs to move up over some of these other guys that are in this tier ahead of him. So I agree. All right, um, listen to me. <laughs> listen to me now, hear me later. Oh I want the pop. You are. Oh my god. Just so it's known, that was the. What's that? Uh, the. Um, the song you're No, the, uh, the. Oh god. Has Arnold Schwarzenegger. Has it Hold on. No, I know you're, what you're talking about. The Arnold Schwarzenegger. Um, uh, the uh, what you did with the um, Kermit, oh, the, Kermit. the musical, the K- Kermit, yeah, that's shit. They gotta it, bring it, that it's, back. It's, it's all Arnold movies and musicals. It was Conan the Barbarian, okay, the well, musical. We gotta bring that. We gotta bring that as an audio bite for Bruce. I'll tell you what. No, no. How about I'll close out. We've been doing Blues Brothers. But I'll close out with Conan the musical because <laughs> who cares? Well, we're closing out pretty soon. We got no, I know. And we and we and, and listen. Do I want to get political at the end of this, or should I let it go? No, I'm not going to. So we'll end with the the, the musical. Okay. Um, James White is the last guy in tier number nine, running back 47. I think we kind of covered him a little bit earlier, and I think we all agree. It's going to be a carousel of running backness and a Bill Belichick. I don't give a fuck about your fantasy stats. I don't care about anything. Are you going to be the right tool for me to win this game this week? And it's going to be James White sometimes, and it's going to be not him sometimes. James White is like a bi-week fill-in player if you need something. Like in standard leagues, he averages 6.5 points a game. Besides his 31.9 fantasy points in the Super Bowl, he had just three weeks last season with over 10 fantasy points in standard scoring. Um, He's much more of a PPR player, but even when you look at it, this is a guy who stayed healthy over the last year. And last year he finished his, what, running back 35? Brady gushes about him, loves loves his work. All these guys... He's, we know the role he plays. What's the deal with New England receivers that don't even have to play a full season and always end up in the top 50? He played a full season. Yeah, yeah but he, he really wasn't in games he until... He what are you talking about? He played every single game. No, he's but he disappeared. I'm talking about... It's like, like, this is the Belichick oh, way. Oh, he's not a part like, of the game plan He now. may have played in games, but he wasn't like really I gotcha. the that's, game man. That's, gotcha. why, that's what we're talking about. That's what we're talking about. This yeah. whole running back situation. It's and competition. It's going to be the same wide receiver, too. Look, he's got so many weapons. This it's going to be this way on every person. 
Maybe not Gronk, if he can no. stay healthy. But it's, there's going to be a lot of Cook weeks. There's going to be Malcolm weeks. There's going to be Hogan weeks. There's going to be... And that's the whole point. So he wants to always keep people on their toes. Keep them fresh. Keep them fighting for their job. This is going to be interesting for Brandon Cooks. We'll see how he deals with it. But they have enough people there to say, hey, screw you. If it doesn't work out, we'll move on. Mar- <laughs> it's true. I like it. You sounded like... Uh, uh, what was the, was the guy that we used to love... Uh, uh, the, the, uh, the uh, I'm spacing. Jimmy the Greek? Tim Thomas. <laughs> Timmy Thomas. Oh, Tim Thomas. Thomas. You did sound like him. Like, I'll tell you, my friend. Um, all right, sorry. The, 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 We're going to quickly. The scout guy that Mo up. Um, oh, David T. Thomas. David T. Thomas. He sounded like him. David T. God bless you. All right, we're going to quickly roll through tier 10. In the next five minutes, and it's great. Marlon Mack, we already talked about him. Who knows what can happen there? Keep your eye on the preseason. But if this guy starts making run, and the one thing that he did a lot of uh, in, in college was he busted long plays, had long carries. I know the talent could be argued that it was less or so, but we've seen other players uh, and like a Woodhead that have been able to play against lesser competition but still do it in the big leagues. And he's got Frank Gore there who is not really worried about... He knows Frank Gore's legacy is, is, is stamped. It's not like he has to worry about getting a job if he wants one. So Frank Gore is at that point in time in his career where he should be starting to do that mentorship thing and Absolutely. really try to help this kid out as much as he can. I can definitely see Gore, and I've actually heard rumblings that he being a coach, and this guy's going to stay in the game. Um, Joe Williams, next guy. We talked about him briefly as well. To counterpart to the, the Hyde Stag party, you said he's fourth string or third string guy right now. Yeah, he's he's struggling to get past guys on the depth chart, undrafted free agents, or playing over him in preseason games. He needs to put the uh, you know legs to the pavement and start running. This is the one thing that that's so that's so amazing in the NFL, which is uh, better than almost any other league. Maybe baseball is also the same way because you have baseball, you have the minor leagues, you have to prove yourself, yeah, yeah. but. You don't have minor leagues in football, really, where you can prove yourself. You get drafted, you're supposed to be the guy. You come into training camp, if you don't do it, somebody else is, boom, they just leave you. Because unless you're that first-round top-four pick, you're not getting that extra special treatment. Yeah. You're going to be, hey, you're a third-round because most running backs, what was Joe was the fourth-round pick, third-fourth-round third, pick? Hey, these guys were on the field, but you know what? They're working harder than you. Sorry. See you later. I think he's going to end up being the Tevin Coleman in in the Shanahan situation. But think so? At some, I'm not. I'm not saying necessarily this year, but at some point they're not cutting this guy. Um, I think. Tell, that, that, I think that's why it's too I good. I think that's what they thought that they he went in and Shanahan was thinking this is going to be my Tevin Coleman type guy, uh, but we'll see. Anyway, it's a long. There's still keep an eye on this guy. I could see him just catapulting. The other thing I will say quickly too is that yeah. with those rookies at this level. You're better off not drafting them. Let somebody else do the drafting of them. Sure. Wait till they fail with them for the first six weeks because, again, it's learning the playbook. It's getting comfortable with the offense. It's getting comfortable with the terminologies and what's going out there and knowing the blocking schemes. Once they get that and if that incumbent has done nothing in the first four weeks, that rookie is coming. What are you expecting, yeah. out, of what are you Joe, expecting out of this guy? Joe Williams it was... Like the third or the fourth back in, but he looked good, man. Watching it right now, seven for sixty uh, rushing yards. He just found big creases, but it was all 
in, in the second quarter, had a, had a fumbled snap uh, on a pitch play. So he's got some things to work out, but we know he's got the long speed with like that sort of dynamicism to take it to the house on anywhere from the field. But he's got to he's got to do the little things. But you need but but you need to see that to know that a guy. If you don't show that within your first two games, like at burst of any type, because who was the guy? I can't remember. It was like another game, another rookie. Uh, they're not going to had like a big run, and immediately the the, the coach was like, "Oh, okay, you're done." And we've seen everything. Uh, Alvin Kamara, he had like a big run in Champagne. It's like, "Well, uh, we're done. We don't need to see anything more of you because we know we're not playing you that much this year uh, unless we absolutely have to." I'm not going to get you hurt. Well, yeah, that, and we don't want to show too much tape on me. That too. Um, that but that yeah, too. I think. That, that's a good point. Next guy. Wow. This is Value City. Just in the what-if category. Thomas Rawls sitting here at the running back 50. Sounds pretty good. Right I, now with the running back uncertainty that is with Eddie Racy, like these guys, they need to get that little linchpin closer together. They winch. Need, they, need to, <laughs> they need to come closer together uh, because maybe there's not as much separating them as we think. Maybe Thomas Rawls really is closer to being the starter than Eddie Lacy, even though Eddie Lacy's shown it for seasons and seasons at a time and had that sort of top end season. I like, season. I like where I'm getting Rawls in, in drafts and where we're looking at him here uh, in the what if category. Uh, Jaquiz Rogers. Well, yeah, I'm about Thomas yeah. Rawls. I'll say too. Look, the other thing is that you have the, the history of, of, uh, of Seattle. Who's going to catch the ball in the red zone right now? Is it Paul Richardson? It's maybe Jimmy Graham. It's maybe a little bit of Doug Baldwin. And Baldwin's been forced into becoming like a major factor in that role. But if you could give the ball to Rawls inside the three-yard line, you're a lot better off. And that's what they used to do with Marshawn Lynch. That's what they want to do. Anyway, Jack Woods. All except for that one time. <laughs> uh, yeah, right? Jack Quiz Rogers. Cost the Super Bowl. Jacquez Rogers, uh, three games of being the RB one. Potentially, I, uh, potentially, but I, I like it considering what you're giving up for it, and we'll see. We talked earlier how we thought Doug Martin, who was going so much higher in the twenties, okay. running back position, might not even be welcome back once he is off his suspension. Key point: If you're going to draft Ezekiel Elliott, you better fucking draft Jacquez Rogers. No doubt. That, that, that should be like I'm going to draft Jacquez. Ten spots before he comes up on whatever uh, outlet I'm using's uh, ratings. Because that's, that's not a bad pair. Also, you can pair Rob Kelly with them. They have a pretty good opening run schedule. Uh, besides Darren McFadden, of course. Uh, there's some other guys. But that's what you got to do if you draft Ezekiel. You better be looking for these guys that have that early pop potential for you. Yep. We're down to our last two guys. Jamal Williams and Deonta Foreman. Uh, what do you guys think on them? And then we're gonna close this thing out, sitting right. in at a nice three-hour show. You guys go. I got really nothing to say on either. I'm just gonna quick bit on both of them. So Jamal Williams, I like Jamal Williams because of the fact that, you know, Eddie Lacy's gone. You know, where's where's the production coming out of? True. Ty Montgomery is a good back. Is Ty Montgomery truly? And he is a big back. I, I understand he's a big back. But has he proven to be that red zone back? He's bigger than you think. He's I know he is. I know. He's, he's, I'm just saying, not I'm saying back. he's not a wide receiver. He's bigger actually a running back. back. He, he does have running back size. But is Jamal Williams going to be the guy that's going to come in and actually be able to get those red zone touches because Montgomery's doing all that work beginning of the, of, of, of the, of the, uh, of the drive? I don't know. 
there's potential. And they've been looking, they got rid of Eddie Lacy. They're looking for someone to become that guy. They drafted him and Aaron Jones. You don't draft two running backs in a draft unless you're trying to bring someone in to actually play. So there, I, I think there's potential there. Go I ahead. just think they know they needed depth, and that's why they have everything. Because okay. at one point at last season, you literally had to move a wide receiver from wide receiver to running back to get through the fucking season. So you better plan it and out they, a little they, bit better. And they, so they, 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 they didn't they, spend they, much draft capital on the guys. What, four or five and seven? Five, six, yeah, seven, whatever yeah. it is. The thing is with Aaron Jones, they're now expecting him to be like a pass catching only back. Right. Yeah. So more of a backup to uh, Ty Montgomery, which is good for Ty Montgomery because he doesn't have to beat out two guys. He only has to really beat out Jamal Williams. But Jamal Williams is probably from day one a change of pace. Yeah. Back, can't you see him as a, as a ten to twelve he, touch Yeah. Guy? Can he be a ten to twelve carry guy? Yeah, I mean, he can also catch it a little bit. He, the thing with Jamal Williams is like he's not dynamic. No. Like he, he's but do not, you, do you need I don't to be think he's a dynamic a player. Do you need to be dynamic? I as think a he's one of the this so- offense. I think he's just a solid player. Like there's nothing dynamic about the guy. Is yeah. What I. But do you need to be dynamic when you have Aaron Rodgers, Jordy Nelson, Randall Cobb, Devontae Adams, and all these other guys around you? Do you, can you be like like Legarrette Blunt and score a ton of points because you do a job? Couldn't he be, I mean... In a good Mon- offense. Montgomery, great offense. Montgomery's a little banged up right now. Couldn't he just be the shadow of a Ty Montgomery? Couldn't they... Aren't those guys somewhat similar players? And they could just say, we got Ty Montgomery. This is running back 1A. And you know what? The style of play that we do, Jamal Williams is our 1B. And they play the same thing, do the same I, style. I don't, think, I don't think Williams is that good. As an all-around player, okay. I don't know. I don't think he's that good as a receiver. And they're not going to give that type of um, foreshadowing uh, at the beginning. Show and tell. It's going to be one of those things. If Montgomery starts to struggle early on, yeah, look for it. Okay, I let's think go on. He's going to carry carry it. That's about it. Okay, let's go to Deonta Foreman. Is that how you pronounce it? Danta. It's the weirdest name. The cap. It looks so dumb when you when you type it in. Capital D apostrophe capital O. NTA. Yeah, I do not like the way your name looks when I type it. Capital E, <laughs> asshole. <laughs> I'm green <dreaming> there. <laughs> okay. That's my now we know. That's why I scribble, scribble it. The asshole. <laughs> w asshole. Okay, so the like guy it. obviously is off to a rough start. Uh, drugs and guns in his car. What are Texas. you Texas? What are you expecting? <laughs> Not much. Uh, I'm expecting a lot, but Alfred Blue finally started Uh-oh. to show some signs. My Blue, dude, I hated Alfred Blue. He started to show some signs at the end of the last season, and you know looked pretty good the other night in preseason. He's attacking holes, hitting them hard, uh, all those good things they say. But Foreman looked good as well. The th- I just don't know. If he's going to be able to do more than one thing, more than just run the ball, more than run he's between the tackles. He's a huge dude. Like, he got out on the edges and did a hurdle and everybody lost their minds. And I'm like, okay, we gained like one yard after that hurdle. Like, Is he, he does a mini hurdle. I, I don't think so. Because but, he cooperated with police. He told them he had a gun in the car. They said, okay, great, it's registered, great, blah, blah, blah. And then I think, I think he had a fall guy for the weed. 
He's also Smart. one of the... Smart. I've been saying this for you years. you got to have a ball guy. you got to have a ball Hey, buddy. You're hanging out with me. I'll pay for everything. You're the weed guy. Let's yeah. just work this Either out I'm right taking now. a limo and I'm not getting caught or you're the fall guy. Absolutely. Guys, I love you. Uh, listeners, we don't promo enough. Buy our draft kit. Check out Pyro Pro. Actually, it was a great day for Pyro Pro. I think we had two or three yearly sign-ups today, which is dope. Listen, rate, subscribe. Yeah, check check out and also give us a nice review on on uh, iTunes. Um, I know that Heartbeat and his great show, the Pyro Pulse podcast, he's been killing it there. But he's been really promoting, and signing up for uh, you know, and helping out and, and and giving us a review for the Pyro podcast. And we've gotten three of them in the last couple weeks, so we got to promote our shit a little bit better on the show. We'll do so. Uh, we're busy mofos across the board. It's sitting here right now at almost 11 o'clock. I know I've been up since about 7. I can probably guarantee the so most of you guys. Uh, 7.30. Yeah. But we do this because we love it. We rocked out the running backs here today. Um, and we're going to get the wide receivers going next week. Boys, I love you. It's so the music, the, the music that we were listening to uh, opener was Siren. Uh, the band is the Olympians. Uh, because we want to be all world. And uh, Sirens of Jupiter was the opener, and we're going to close with Saturn, and then we will close on the close with Conan the Musical. And Stag Party, you're welcome to leave. Bye.
another day Walking in circles Haunted by memories I push on this wheel I pray to Klam Grant me revenge And help me to answer the riddle of steel A shy little boy I couldn't protect them Helpless and timid As weak as a girl They butchered my people The dogs ate my father My mother beheaded They took my whole world Klam, where is the wizard Who killed my mother? Still, I can recall his terrible case. Come, where are the two snakes facing each other? Come, if you're my god, then show me the way. I'm on the path, chopping up bodies, packing and slicing, and look at me now. Loyal friends joining my party. Each step I take, I'm fulfilling my vow. Crush your enemies, see them living before you, and hear the lamentation of the women. Hear the lamentation of the women. Crush your enemies, see them living before you, and hear the lamentation of the women. And the hell with you. Cloud, where are the two snakes racing each other? Wizard will fall, cause this has begun, they murdered them all. I'm the last one, I issued the call, revenge for my mom, I pray for you, come. Crush your enemies, see them driven before you, and hear the lamentation of the Cab fare. My dust didn't come back from the cleaners. An old friend came in from out of town. Someone stole.